We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 86. It's hockey season, ladies and gentlemen. It is opening day for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sean Corrali is joining us on the podcast. We're going to talk to him about his decision to join the Blue Jackets. Then joining us is the official reporter for BlueJackets.com. It's Jeff Swoboda. It is all hockey on episode 86. So come on up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us. For garage beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 86 of the Garage Beers Podcast. Go check us out online at all of our social medias at the Garage Beer on Twitter, Instagram, the Garage Beers Podcast on Facebook. Go follow our YouTube page and subscribe to it. Get over to our TikTok page because that's about to get. Fu- I have a feeling that's going to get fun again. I have a feeling our, our TikTok page is about to get fun again. Chad and I have to talk about that, but I have a feeling it's going to become a good time again. Uh, uh, yeah, go follow us everywhere uh, and go check us out. GarageBeerShop.com. If you're listening to this and you want a killer, really soft black T-shirt with our Garage Beers logo or a black hat with the Garage Beers logo on it made by the boys down there at 614 Hockey. Uh, get over to garagebeershop.com, place an order, and I will get it sent off to you. We are brought to you, as always, right here on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. So go check out Belly Up Sports. And with you, as always, I am your host, Michael Keith. Go find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me tonight, only one of my normal co hosts, uh, because Joey couldn't make it tonight, but we're going to have a good time tonight, anyways, because we have got an awesome, awesome episode. Joining me tonight from the east side of Cleveland, go find him online at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hi. Hi. I was hoping you'd give me like two part harmony there. Uh, oh, I was, no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you remember that time you were a moron? Yep. Yeah, with the one where you said which, the white, which one? The, the one where you said the White oh. Sox were going to roll over the Astros. <laughs> You man, <laughs> F you, Crush City, baby. Astros moved on today, Mikey. <laughs> only, 
only a real dickhead could like the Houston Astros. Oh, I have good reason to like the Astros. Thank you very much. I bet you do. I'm going to go bang a garbage can for your good reason. Uh, no. no. And, and I meant that in literally not only in like a hit a garbage can sense. Yeah, go grab a garbage can. Go hit the garbage can out of anger because you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, listen, man. Uh, There's something about those Houston Astros in the playoffs, even even without banging the garbage can. What is it? Five straight ALCS now? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Five straight ALCS, uh, and they've got a chance to go even further, although I will say, and the one thing I wasn't wrong, uh, about on the podcast where we broke down the MLB uh, playoffs is I said, I feel like this year's Red Sox team reminds me of the team that won the world series back in like 2013. Yeah. Where you can maybe name a few of the players that were on that team, but for the most part, it was just guys that were playing really well when the playoffs came around. And that's really what the Red Sox feel like to me right now. And they right. handled the Rays. So right. I wasn't wrong about that. Wasn't wrong about right. that. Should be yeah. a great series. Red Sox, Astros, ALCS. The Braves are in the NLCS. And we're just waiting to see who wins the Dodgers-Giants series. Yeah. Uh-huh. The playoffs have been okay. The playoffs have been okay. There's been a lot of like... Uh, there's been a lot of like blowout games. Which isn't right. my favorite. No. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Especially when, especially when the balls are... Uh, Juice down, I guess. I mean, you know, it, it, the balls aren't supposed to fly out of the ballpark like they've been, but uh, the these, playoffs, these playoffs, they've uh, they've taken them, taken flight. They've taken flight out of the ballpark. Let's become enemies. Some enemies. <laughs> a little love, sto- a little love story for the protagonist. Everybody is richer for the experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good. Good old family. Guy joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, listen, gloat away because you were right. You and Joey were both right. Uh, and I'll give Joey the credit, too. I said I thought the White Sox would have their way with the Astros. and I did think they were going to do that. Uh, but the Astros just absolutely came to play in that series and absolutely, do- aside from one game, dominated. Now, I will say, much like game seven, of the 2016 World Series, the only reason the Astros were able to hang on and beat the White Sox was because of weather. Yeah. I mean, the White Sox gained all the momentum in game three, uh, and then there was a delay. Uh, the, the game got postponed. They were supposed to play last night. They couldn't. They had to play today. And so really the only reasons the, the reason the Astros beat mm, the White Sox was because of that. I wouldn't say the only reason. The, literally the only Yeah, uh, What was that score like? 10 to 1? Suck my ass, ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, again, it was a dominant series. But listen, I love talking a little baseball. Yeah. I love that we're going we're gonna to wrap up with talking just a little bit of football. But this is, I'm so excited for this chat. And I know you are too. Oh, yeah. I know Joey's so bummed to miss this episode because this oh, yeah. episode is a hockey episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to opening week of the NHL season. And uh, man, Chad, hockey season is upon us, my dude. How exciting is this? Upon us, man. Like, listen, I watched a couple of those, those two opening night games on Tuesday. Freaking amazing. Dude, I love uh, I, I love the Seattle Kraken this year. You know, I you know I don't know if we're going to talk about surprise teams, but we might as well talk about them now. But 
they're kind of my surprise team this year. I know everybody was upset with what they did in the expansion draft, but once I saw how they worked it out and what they did in free agency, I thought it was genius what they did. So I think I don't think they're a cup contender, but I think they're they're my surprise playoff team this year, Mike. But we'll get into that a little bit well, more. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think I don't think uh, I don't think this is going to be another Vegas Golden Knights. Game. No, 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 no. Uh, I no. think I think there's a little more work ahead of Seattle than what was ahead of Vegas. But uh, yeah, listen, there's a ton of talent on that team, so yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, if you're listening to this, uh, this episode drops on Thursday, the 14th of October, which is opening day for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we have got a killer episode. A double guest episode. A little bit later, we are going to talk to the official reporter for the Blue Jackets for BlueJackets.com, Jeff Svoboda. We're going to talk about uh, everything he's seen in the offseason, his impression of the players, the way he thinks the team's going to play. We're really going to go in depth with Jeff. But before we get to that, and I'm going to send it right now, uh, we have an amazing interview. One of the new Blue Jackets, one of the forwards on the team. A guy that grew up in the Columbus area and now is going to be lacing him up in front of the fifth line uh, down in Nationwide Arena. Uh, we are so excited. We talked to Sean Corrali about coming to Columbus, about how uh, uh, how excited he is, how excited he is to be joining the team, and, uh, and just all of his impressions. Uh, and we're going to send it to that interview right now. All right, and now we are really, really excited to be joined on this, our, our Blue Jackets kickoff extravaganza show. We're kicking it off with an incredible special guest. Uh, if you've paid attention to playoff runs, you heard his story back uh, when the Blue Jackets played the Bruins about how he was from Columbus about a thousand times on TV during that. Uh, and he is, he is back in his hometown, kid that grew up in Dublin, and now he is playing for the Blue Jackets as he signed in Columbus this offseason. We are very excited to be, show, be joined by Sean Corrali. Sean, thank you for jumping on with us on the Garage Beers podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, so I guess we start with an obvious question. Uh, how are you feeling? Because uh, I've, I've seen uh, over and over and over again a video of you taking a nice little spear in the preseason. Uh, you feeling all right? Yes, I am. I'm totally fine. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it was a bit of a, a high, it got a little high in my face, but no, I, I, I'm fine. Just, uh, kind of scares you when you get a stick in the face. You're not sure if you're, if you're cut or anything, but, but luckily, um, luckily all, all is well. Thank you. I love just, yeah, being- you're checking every part of your face, <laughs> teeth, <laughs> teeth, nose. Exactly. <laughs> just being but, a normal- I love just being a normal guy. Like I'm like, if that happened to me, I'd still be on the ice. Days yeah. later, I'd just be laying there. Right. Or you would have got back up and right. hit the guy with your stick and been also fined. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exa- exactly. And, How do you yeah, in like do true that? hockey fashion? Like you don't miss a shift. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually sat in the box forever because it was a match penalty. And it was, so you come out at a whistle and I was sitting there for a long time, but. Um, anyway, no, it's, it's all good. It's, uh, I'm glad the preseason games are behind us and we're going to have, um, regular season, real, real action here, here shortly. Does that go through your head? Like, gonna- hey, listen, cause you guys are all competitors, right? Yeah. So preseason, you, you could say it all you want, but like, you know, once you lace the skates up and you're out there on the ice, you're out there to play. Uh, 
So does it go through your head like, listen, let's not do anything dumb. It's the preseason. Let's let's not do anything before the the season starts. You you are right though in the fact that there's not a lot of uh, we're all kind of we're all competitors, and you get out there and it's uh, it, you say it's preseason, but there's there's a lot of stuff. Ninety nine percent of you doing the same exact way. I mean, at least I'm. I'm trying to do the exact same stuff I would in the regular season. And, and I think most of the guys are too. So it's, they're called preseason games, but um, we're all trying to get ready. Everyone wants to be ready when that puck drops for the first time for real. You don't want to be caught sleeping. And we're going to get into that in a second, man. But uh, you know, first I want to, I want to take it. Just how's your off season, man? What did you do? Did you do anything fun? Like I saw your big, you know, anything big happen? But uh, like I saw, like doing some research, I saw you're maybe a little bit of a golfer. How's the golf game this off season? Yeah, I played some golf. I, um, you know, I'm at the age where all my friends are getting married, so I've got a bunch of, I had a bunch of weddings, a bunch of, a bunch of bachelor parties. Um, so it was just kind of like some, some fun little get togethers, a lot of stuff, um, a lot of get togethers with some old college teammates, which was fun. Um, and I, and I played a lot of, okay. I played a, a decent amount of golf. I should say it was, it was, uh, I mean, I probably for as much as I play, I should be, I should be a better golfer, but I have fun <laughs> with it. We, we have a good time. I, there's a good group and all my, all my friends, you know, college teammates and, um, play a lot of golf with Jack Roslevic this summer, which, which was fun. So it's, uh, it's fun to get out there and, and, play with uh play with your teammates i wonder why Man, so, I, was like, like, I, grew uh, up a, I grew up a baseball player and it's it's very hard to transition from that to golf because the swing you can't get away from the baseball swing and it's t- that's it's awful on the golf course well, how about the hockey swing how does that transition over into the golf game so i'm a lefty in hockey and a righty in golf so for me it's completely opposite i'm swinging opposite ways and you know, I can't play all the time because sometimes it irritates my, my back a little bit or, you know, something feels a little off, but I've tried to, it's been my excuse to, to swing easier and just try and try and not kill the ball. So swinging easy has been, it's actually helped my game a little bit too, but it's, it's the excuse to help, help keep my back a little bit more in line. I'm just trying to picture this conversations with the, uh, with the girlfriend, like, Oh honey, I got to go to another bachelor party. Yeah. All right. This time we're going to like, the, I don't know if it's Texas or Hawaii or I don't know, but it's, it's I just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody. Yeah. There's uh, you know, it was like every, every weekend too. So it was, um, yeah, it was a lot, but it was, it was a good time. We all enjoyed it. Hey, listen, man, enjoy these, enjoy those years while they last because then you turn into old dudes like me and Chad and you get a wedding invite, and you're like, Jesus, I got to go to a wedding. <laughs> what am I going to do with these kids? Son of a bitch. Uh, so enjoy them while they're still fun and exciting. Yeah. Um, listen, you talked about playing golf with Jack uh, Roslevic a little bit uh, in the offseason. Uh, did you know Jack coming in? Obviously, you guys' story about both being Columbus guys and uh, uh, now both of you playing for the hometown team. Did you guys know each other coming in? Uh, did you know each other before your careers when you were coming up playing hockey? And and uh, you know how has that bond? Uh, how has that bond been as you guys have both joined the Blue Jackets? Right. So I played with Jack. The first time I, I really like got to know Jack was I, I played with him um, at Miami for a year. I was a senior and he was a freshman. So that was kind of like our first our first um, kind of real like teammate and really getting to know each other. He was Jack's Jack's how many a few years younger than me. Four. He's a ninety six. I'm a ninety. 
three. I think he's in it. Yeah. Anyway, so like three or four years younger. So, I mean, we're, we're growing up, but um, never played on the same team or anything growing up here in Columbus. Um, and he went and played for the d- development program. Um, but I always kind of knew of him and knew he was a good player. And, um, and uh, but, but never really, really got to know him, I think, until we played at Miami in 2015, 16. So it's, it's been a while still. We've been, we've been friends for, for a few years through this whole thing. So it's been fun to be, be back on his team. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a big part of me wanting to be in Columbus too, is have a guy like that. I know. And, um, and a guy like that, that I think is a hell of a player and, and hasn't reached his potential yet and can be, uh, even, even better than he's been. And, and I think, um, you know, those are the kind of guys you want to be around, be on your team. Yeah. So, I mean, you were, and you were in that Blue Jackets development program. I mean, you were in the, you were in the youth hockey teams in, in Columbus growing up, man, you know, and so I guess, you know, my next question for you is just a two-parter, you know, I, you know, I talked about what you did in the off season a little bit, you know, going into this off season was Columbus uh, uh, an option were you surprised at the call with Yarmo? What was that process like? And my second part of that question is, I know you said you've always wanted to play in Columbus, have you, has there been, has there been a moment yet where you put on that jackets Jersey and you looked in the mirror and went, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the first part is yes. I, I always did want to play here. I, I didn't know when or how or when it was going to work out so much of this free agency is, you know, it can, it can, it's all about timing and what a team needs and what they have space for with the cap, the salary cap. And yeah. Um, who, what players they have coming up, if they've got someone like you and it's just, there's so many intangibles that, yeah, it would have been, I was always loving and hoping to come back home and play for the jackets, but I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. You just never know. So, and I didn't know until, you know, basically till I got pen to paper that it was going to be for real, but I knew it was a team that that was possibly going to have interest in that, um, that I was going to give the first like look to for sure. Um, so I was, I was excited about that. And, and you just, like I said, you never know if it's for sure going to happen. So once you sign, once you sign the papers, you, you feel pretty good about it. So that was, that was awesome. I, I was, uh, I'm excited to be back. And, um, and, you know, I've been wearing, uh, I've played for Boston for the last four or five years. So I've been wearing different colors. I see the first thing is like, you just kind of look around and go, yeah, I'm the team in blue now. You, you, I'm wearing a certain color for so many years. <laughs> yeah. I looked out there and like, oh, and you kind of look down in your own jersey and you're like, okay, we're in blue. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it, it, that was the first kind of thing where I was like, oh, that's a little bit different. But um, yeah, you put on that jersey and I put on that jersey when I was young playing AAA a lot. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, there's there's parts of it and and even Jack was saying to me today, isn't it crazy? We're practicing at the Ice House, which is the practice rink. Um, attached and, and we grew up practicing there. We're in an NHL practice yeah. at the same rink that we were at growing up. So it's uh it's kind of come around, which which is awesome. And part of it, you know, is makes you feel at home and and uh, a little bit more comfortable, which is which I think is fun and hopefully um you know can help and um make you feel uh make you feel like you're at home and and, and in familiar surroundings. You know, part of the reason I I feel so lucky to do our show and so lucky to have guests like you on is because when you just talk about sports, read about sports, listen about sports, whatever teams and athletes are all just presented as like a business. And that's fine. Cause that's, it's a big business, 
But like to hear you talk about you and Jack just at the like the place where you grew up practicing, just knowing that you guys just still have those moments. It isn't all about the contract. It isn't all about the, you know, all the news and the stuff. It's like you still have that moment of like, holy shit, this is awesome. We are playing where we used to practice. Like right. that that's that's super cool that you guys still have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um now oh go ahead, Chad. Oh, I was going to say now, you know, okay. So now going into it, uh, did Lars or Yarmo sit down with you uh, right away? Talk to you about your role or is it still something you were t- guys are just trying to, you know, trying to figure out or is it, I mean, I know you have one here in this preseason. I know, you know, where you were playing in the preseason, but initially did they, did they give you an idea of what they were looking for? Um, yeah, I think uh, definitely Lars, Lars has, Lars has been really good at communicating what he wants from us and, um, how he wants us to play kind of a team identity and stuff. But I think kind of what, what most coaches would say is you kind of dictate where you're going to play and um, how you okay. perform and stuff. But I know my strengths at this point. I know what, what they're, you know, how they're, you know, they want me to play to my strengths, of course, and play to your strengths. And, you know, so much of the lineup and where you play in the lineup kind of depends on other, other people and other things and whatever. So I think it's more about, just playing in my strengths, seeing what, seeing what, you know, on every certain night, what I can do to help the team win. I think that's kind of, kind of, uh, my role. And I think where I do best is, um, just focusing on, on those simple, small things, help the team win and let the rest take care of itself. So you come from, you come from an organization, you played for Boston pretty much your entire professional career. Uh, you came up with them, you've played with them your entire career in the NHL. That's an organization that is, you know, they're one of those organizations that it's it's at the start of the season. It's Stanley Cup. Uh, you envision the Stanley Cup getting hoisted in Boston. Uh, and that's what you're playing for. And it's like that single vision. Uh, you know, here in Columbus, you grew, you grew up a Blue Jackets guy. Uh, here in Columbus, there's been more recent success, uh, as you know, especially from like you growing up as a kid and what you were used to. Uh, but there's been more recent success. But Obviously, it's still a team trying to find its way so that it can turn into one of those franchises that you have those, you're able to have those expectations. What's it like going from a team like the Bruins? And like, what do you bring from your time at the Bruins to Columbus to kind of help mold that transformation of a franchise? Well, first of all, I'd say that I've seen the direction of this franchise the past few years, and I watched closely. I've been watching this team play since since day one, really. And I've I've always been watching. I've always been uh, following closely. And, um, over the past few years, I think you can see a difference in, in, in this team and the product on the ice and what it's been. Um, and I've played against them. We played against them in that playoff series. And that's something that, that I think matters as a, as an opposing player, you play against the team and you're like this, this team, this team is for real. And, and they've got, a, we've obviously the team has moved on from some of those pieces, but there's some of those pieces are still here. And, um, you know, the way the trend of, of this organization, I think is headed in the right direction. That was a big, big piece of, of wanting to be here and believing in, in what could be um, in Columbus, I think is, was, it was a huge part of it. If I didn't think we could, we could be at, um, you know, the top of the NHL at some point, I don't think I would have considered it. Um, but, you know, you come from Boston and I was super lucky to play with, I don't know how many, but a few hall of fame players um, for sure. sure. And you're in the locker room with them every day and you just try and take little pieces. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, any of those guys I'm different and I'm not going to try and be any of those guys. They're, uh, the Bergeron's, the, the Charas or, 
or uh, you know, Krejci and Marshawn and Pasta. I mean, the, the list can the list goes on and leaving even leaving some out of that. But right. you don't want to. You just you really just kind of be yourself. You pick up a few pieces along the way. Um, those guys were obviously world class and uh, and and great talents. And you know, I think you take take like I said, take little pieces, uh, make it your own, and um, just keep moving forward. Those. And, you know, the one thing I took from there was just how good practices were every day. It was, it was never, uh, you know, a day to take practice off. And those guys, practices were always like high intensity, high pace, high compete. And I think it's been the same way since I've been here in Columbus. So it's been, it's been fun to see. Okay. Off topic, just a little bit. How weird is it to see Z in a different Jersey? Is it, is it just weird just when you see him on a, on a different team now? Is it just seem like, like this isn't real? Yeah, it, it was weird. Washington, yeah, it was weird last year. Um, Awful. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's back, I guess. <laughs> He's back with the Islanders, but you love to see the big Z on, on your side. And, um, you know, always such a great leader, such a great person, and, and, and still a great player, which is, you know, and remarkable. Anybody but All right, now we're getting back. Anybody but Washington. Anyway. <laughs> uh, now, now back into training camp. You know, you just mentioned that you know it, it's it's kind of been a little uh, you know a little bit the same here from Boston into Columbus. What has this first camp with Lars been like? You know, what it, it, has there been anything different? And also, you know, it, you know there are a lot of new faces around. How has the chemistry been building with the with the with the new pieces surrounding so far? You, in your eyes. Well, it's definitely been different to answer your first piece. Um, <laughs> we're young, like we've got young, like as a whole, I think the age is just a lot younger than it would have been to what I'm used to. And with younger guys, I think practice can be a little bit longer. Practice can be, um, you know, there's a lot of skating. There's not as much of, uh, um, you know, veterans that are, you know, you're trying to just, you know, they, you can trust, they know, they're going to be ready for game one. They've been through it 15, 20 times. Um, it's a little nice. bit, been a little bit different. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been nice. It's been uh, re-energizing, I think for me to kind of s- see something new and, um, and get, uh, you know, some fresh blood and some, some of these fresh faces. I think it's been fun. So these kids are super talented. It's just really fun to be out there with them and, um, the cylinders. <laughs> and like old guy. Yeah, <laughs> some of these kids, some of these kids out here. Uh. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I, I, I guess, and I'm 28, and I asked, I asked one of the days on the ice. I was with Cylinder. I didn't, you know, I wasn't familiar with everyone in the organization. I asked him how old he was, and he said 18. I'm like, okay, I'm 10 years older than you, so now I am one of like an older guy. Um, but yeah, did you but, graduate high school? Like, what is what is that? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Did you graduate high school? <laughs> In the meantime, he's over there like, who's this older guy talking? Yeah, about? God, this guy's old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you man. Yeah. 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 Are you what they call are you what they call a boomer? Are you what they call a boomer? Like, <laughs> oh my God. No, but that's gotta be kind of that's gotta be kind of fun for you though, right? To be because you do listen, you named off the names uh in Boston and, and and the guys that have just been there forever, uh and and the crazy amount of veterans with the jackets you've got guys that have been around for a, a while uh you do have veterans on the team but you certainly are coming in as a as a bit of a veteran presence uh for the team uh what's that role that's got to be a totally different role for you um you know coming into the jackets what's that been like 
Yeah, there's definitely differences. And I think as a player and um, you're always looking to grow and, and take on more responsibility and, um, you know, play to your, to your potential. And, you know, if there's, you know, you kind of look around the room and you just, um, you know, we're excited about obviously some of those pieces. There's some good veterans in that room and you just try and be yourself and don't try and change too much and add, uh, add where you can and, um, just kind of make, make the reads as you go. But yeah, it's, it's fun. The new, new roles and, um, new spot in a locker room are always, are always fun things to get used to and exciting. And something that I think can, can, uh, anything you do, you're doing for the first time is, is exciting. All right. So we got to ask you the, the pandering to the fans question, because that's, that's the fun question. You're, you're coming back, you're coming to the fifth line uh, and the jackets uh, they've developed like a, just an incredible fan base in Columbus, a passionate fan base. So, and you were part of it. Uh, so, you know, what's it going to be like for you to step out there opening night, uh, going out in front of the fifth line in nationwide arena? Uh, have you, have you started thinking what those feelings are going to be like for you? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it a few times. Um, just really exciting. I mean, I, like I've, I've said, I, I was legitimately the kid sitting there watching opening night and like in, in awe and these guys were my heroes. So it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm super excited about, it. I can't wait to see, uh, like I, I've said, I've said it a few times, but I'm just, this is the city I want to play for. These are the fans I want to play oh, wow. for. This is, this is the, uh, this is the place I want to be. So, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of look around, you take it in on night one and then, and then you realize, um, you know, for everyone's sake, the best thing I can do is, is focus on my job. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to is going to do my job and play hockey. And that's what I love to do. So, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it for a split second, take a, take a quick mental <laughs> photograph, and then I'm going to be ready to play. How many, uh, are there still Corrales in Columbus? Is the Corrales family? Yes. Still every, there? Everyone's still here. Yeah. 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 So no, there'll be, there will be a few, uh, all the, all my, <laughs> my brothers are, are really excited to have me back there. They'll both be there and mom and dad will be there. And, um, yeah, a ton of family and friends. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, uh, it'll be a big night. I'm excited. I'm excited to, uh, to get going. Well, listen, man, we appreciate the time that you have spent with us here today, uh, on our blue jackets kickoff, or I guess I should say puck drop episode kick. I'm in football mode. Uh, but Sean Corelli, if you're listening to this episode, the day it drops, he is playing for the blue jackets tonight. It's opening night coyotes, blue jackets. It's NHL hockey time. Uh, so we are super excited to watch. We're super excited to watch what you do with the Blue Jackets. We're so excited to have you back uh, with the organization that you grew up with. And uh, and we really appreciate your time. Best of luck this year. And, and again, thank you so much for your time. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Chad. And again, a humongous thank you uh, to our friend and the new one of the newest members of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Sean Corelli. Sean, uh, man, how fun was that listening to him just talk about uh, returning home. I loved the stories he was telling about him and Roslovic, just like <laughs> looking around in the arena at each other. Like, can you believe we're doing this? Uh, it just, it, it made him feel like a kid again. It was, that was so cool. Yeah, man. You always really wonder what, uh, what guys like that, you know, from, you know, re- playing for the uh, city that, you know, where they're from, you know, you always wonder what those stories are like. You always want, you know, you're always interested in hearing, 
how they grew up, you know, where their fandom grew. And, you know, that was, that was really awesome to hear. Yeah. Listen, I think I'm always, the reason I love it when we get professional athletes, uh, especially current professional athletes on the show is because just by the nature of the business of sports, professional athletes are dehumanized. Yeah. Uh, And we talk about them as business entities. We talk about them as contracts and numbers and statistics and that's what they are. And that's how we talk about them in all circumstances until they do something wrong. And then we talk about their morals, which is right. awful. So I love having them on here. And like, like I said, when he was talking about just the, just standing there, like I could, I could feel that what that feeling is like when he's just standing there in, in an arena, they used to practice on just looking around like this, this is surreal. This is awesome. Uh, so again, uh, big things coming from Sean Corelli in the Blue Jackets this year. We are uh, very, very grateful that he came on the show with us and, uh, uh, and that he's going to be suiting up for the Jackets this year. Uh, we look forward to watching him. Uh, listen, Chad, I don't think we're going to take a lot of time here uh, because we have got, first of all, we got some beers to crack open mm-hmm. because this is the Garage Beers podcast and that's what we do. But we're not going to crack open our beers before we bring in our next special guest. Again, the the official reporter for the Blue Jackets, for BlueJackets.com, Jess Svoboda, coming on with us. Uh, and we had an interview with him just a little while ago, and we're going to send it over to that now. All right. And now we are really excited to be joined by our second special guest of the episode. Again, this is our Blue Jackets puck drop preview episode. And again, if you're listening to this on the on the day it comes out, it is opening day for the Blue Jackets. Uh, and we are so excited for hockey to be played, for the, the, the fifth line to be down there in Columbus. Nationwide is going to be rocking. And we are so excited to watch it. And so joining us now, he has been covering the Blue Jackets for a long time. He has been all over the offseason. Uh, his reports are awesome. He just put out some awesome stats that I want to talk to him about today. He is the official Blue Jackets reporter for BlueJackets.com. It's Jeff Svoboda. Jeff, thank you for joining us on the Garage Beers podcast. Thank you for having me. Very excited to uh, take part. Yeah, man. It's uh, can you believe it? The the long off season is over. <laughs> well, it's not even the long off season. It's like going back into the previous season when everything that happened with with COVID and having to pause that season and then the bubble and then this is the first time in a year and a half where this is going to feel somewhat normal. We're going to have full buildings. We're going to be on an October to April schedule. Uh, it kind of feels like things are getting back to the way that they should be, uh, and it just feels right. It feels normal. Um, you can tell just talking to the guys that they feel much more comfortable. Uh, they, they enjoy this so much more than what they went through the last couple of years. And not that they're complaining because they're million dollar athletes, but it just wasn't, you know, right. they're also creatures of habit and routine and they like playing in front of people in full buildings and stuff like that on a normal schedule. So uh, I think everyone's excited to, to kind of get going and feel like we're back, uh, back the way things should be. Now, did you get an off season, Jeff? Did you do anything cool? Did you do anything fun? Like I saw you're a golfer, you're a runner. How, how's your health? How's your health? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I've not been a runner this summer. Uh, just didn't have the time or the uh, the ability to do that. Um, but health wise, you know, pretty good, pretty much back to normal. Um, and then, yeah, I tried to play a lot of golf this summer. Took some vacations. Uh, most of them were golf vacations. Uh, unfortunately, that made my golf game worse. I'm one of those. <laughs> The more I play, the worse I get. Uh, and so um, I haven't touched the clubs are actually sitting in my living room right now. And I haven't touched them in about a month. 
so that's pretty much where things stand right now with my golf game. But, you know, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, you do get a, a little bit of a summer, especially July, August. Uh, got, a, got a chance to chill out a little bit, but uh, now we're ready to go, ready to get back into this. Well, the way things work, you, you've done your golf trips uh, and it made your golf game worse. So now that you haven't touched your clubs in about a month, you should go play. You're probably going to be phenomenal. That actually is probably true. And I'll have to look at the schedule. Um, a couple of years ago when we were down in Florida uh, and then 2019, late in 20, I think that would have been December 2019. Uh, Dave Metzold and I actually, we were down in Florida playing the Panthers and we had a Saturday morning off before the game. And we found the nearest golf course and uh, went and played 18 on that Saturday morning before the Jackets game. So, um, you know, maybe that'll happen again this year. We'll have to check and see uh, where where the road will take us, but we try to sneak in a, a golf trip or maybe even a top golf trip. If we get the opportunity somewhere along the line. Ooh, yeah. I just did the, uh, well, I just yeah. did the top golf, the, the Cleveland top golf. Yeah. Uh, that was at progressive field. It was oh, that awesome. was been awesome. It was so cool. Oh, Jeff, don't, 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 don't be fooled. You're sitting here with a legend now and it's going to be, he's going to something he's going to brag about for the rest of his life. Uh, someone here uh, on this podcast right now in this interview put a nine iron into the bleachers in left field in the intimate oh. ballpark that is the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> well, excuse me, now Guardians ballpark. <laughs> yes. Right. I thought uh, you were going to say something like he hit a hole in one this summer or something, and no. uh, it was not that. No, not even close. I don't think, I, I think maybe the closest I've ever come to a hole in one is landing somewhere near the green. Uh, oh, but this is going to be something he's going to hang his hat on for the rest of his life. <laughs> No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Uh, yeah. All right. So before we get into all the hockey talk, before we get into to all the excitement about the jacket starting, we have to go to our favorite segment of the week. Now, we delayed it a little bit on this episode, but for good reason. But uh, we are now going to get into our garage beers of the week segment. So, Jeff, you're going to join us as our special guest. You're going to have a beer with us here in the garage. Uh, the way we do it on the Garage Beers podcast, we basically just say what we're drinking, give a little review of it, and then we we pass it on to the next guy. So you're our special guest. You get to lead us off. All right. Well, I will say, first of all, I hope our corporate sponsorship department does not kill me because this, <laughs> this is not a beer company that is a sponsor of ours. Um, I do have some BrewDog here, which is a sponsor. Shout out to BrewDog. I've got some in the, the living room, but unfortunately, it's not cold. So I had to go with a beer that is cold. So I'm sticking with another Ohio beer, even though they are not um, uh, officially with the Blue Jackets. I have a Rheingeist Bubbles here. Um, the Rosé Ale, if you've ever had it, it's, it's sort of a sour. Um, I think it's technically classified as a cider. Um, but if you've ever had it, it is utterly, fantastically delicious. I'm a sours guy. Uh, and so I will be going with the Rheingeist Bubbles as we go along here. Nice. Rheingeist Bubbles, a sour guy? That would make you, you like kind of complete us on the podcast because like <laughs> I'm the IPA guy. Chad's kind of the malty guy. He likes those kind of beers. And then, and he's way into the seasonal beer. So am I though. Uh, and, and so we, we don't have a sour guy. So you're completing the trifecta there. We got the sour guy. Uh, uh, gotta like that. We had a sour episode once. Um, <laughs> and it was the only time I've ever had a sour that I really, really liked. And I don't remember. What yeah. It was I've, I've just always liked sour things. And, you know, was the sour episode where you guys just, did you just like name off things that you, you hated or things that made you mad? Like, were you, were you sour during the sour episode? No, like the whole sour episode wasn't. We weren't dramatically upset about things. No, uh, we just drank sour beers and then well, the whole thing. Gotcha. Well, well the gotcha. sours did make them sour, but uh, yeah, that was uh, outside of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, P.S., just a quick shout out, just because we talked about it. Uh, you know, BrewDog, if you want to call us here on the Garage Beers podcast, you're welcome to do that. Also, Ryan Guest, if you want to call us and the Blue Jackets, they probably we probably would both love to hear from you. Uh, anyways, Chad, what is your Garage Beer of the Week? 
Well, uh, this is another repeater. Like I said, I'm trying to clean out the old beer for, to, in the fridge to make new beer, room for new beer. Uh, this is uh, a, a beer I brought back from uh, North Carolina on my trip to North Carolina this summer. It's called uh, Many Faces. It's by Town Brewing down there. It's the chocolate peanut butter brown ale. And uh, Jeff, this is a great cause. Like you know, all the proceeds from this uh, from the sale of this beer, uh, it's the Many Faces Initiative. It was launched to foster diversity and promote inclusivity in the craft beer industry. Proceeds from the sale of this beer will benefit the Many Faces Internship Program designed to provide mentorship and offer an immersive training experience to people of color interested in pursuing careers within the craft beer industry. So look at me. Shout out me for being charitable by drinking this beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here. We drink yeah. charitable beers on the Garage yeah. Beers podcast and we like it. Uh, all right. So that's a couple good ones there. I'm going to, I'm going to take it to a uh, uh, unique, I'm going to do a beer, a beer mixer, a beer cocktail, if you will. Uh, Cause I was kind of doing the same thing, uh, Chad. I was looking around the fridge. What am I going to do? I don't want to do some of the same old things I've been doing. So I tried to switch it up a little bit. It's very rare that I have a cider in the fridge, but somebody suggested to me, one of our listeners suggested that I try a uh, pumpkin and like a angry orchard mix. And it was delicious. So I had Angry Orchard in the fridge and I had Guinness in the fridge. So I poured myself, and I would say a well done, I poured myself a snake bite, a little Angry Orchard and Guinness all wrapped up. Look at you got the little, you got the little separation there. And uh, just a classic, kind of a classic uh, Irish uh, 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 cider and Guinness mix. And it's great. It's kind of refreshing, but it's also Guinness. It's great. So those are our garage beers of the week. Uh, let us know. Get onto our socials at the garage beers. Let us know what your garage beers of the week are, especially as we head into the weekend. What are you drinking uh, this weekend, especially while you're watching some hockey? Uh, so, guys, to you on the podcast, cheers to the listeners. Cheers. And now let's get into a little bit of hockey talk with our special guest. Once again, he is the official Blue Jackets reporter for BlueJackets.com, Jeff Svoboda. Uh, so, Jeff, the dust has settled the offseason is over. We've made it through. New coach, new players, some familiar faces gone, trades and free agents, and it was all crazy this offseason. The draft weekend had to have been absolutely nuts for you. So how are you feeling after this crazy offseason? How are you feeling going into this? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's uh, crazy is I actually just looked up the stat before I came on with you guys. I looked up um, who played for the Jackets in the opener last year. Oh, and geez. of the 18... 18- 18 skaters in the, in the game in the opener against Nashville last year. Um, only 10 of them are still in the organization from the opener a year ago. <laughs> and only probably eight of them are going to play on Thursday night because uh, Mel Bemstrom will probably be a healthy scratch. Um, and Liam Foodie is in Cleveland. So only eight guys will be back from last year's opener to now. And that's in a 10 month span. So that just goes to show you how crazy, how topsy turvy things have been in blue jackets land uh, over the last, um, I guess you could say, uh, six to 12 months. So it, it's been a very big change. Um, obviously very new vibes, very uh, different vibes. Um, but I think it feels like a fresh start. Uh, the sense I've gotten from the team so far this camp, and you know, you haven't lost a game yet. So everybody's probably going to be feeling good, but there is a good vibe. There is a, a sense that they like each other. Uh, there is a sense that they have turned the page for what was a very disappointing season a year ago. Um, there is a sense with a new head coach, uh, you know, new captains, which were announced here. Uh, just a lot of new faces, a lot of new players. Heck, they even have a new locker room. Um, that that all of this newness is good, and you know, I, I think they total they do understand 
um, that they're at the start of building something kind of over a little bit. But I also think that there is a good vibe. And so how long will that last? Um, you know, you never know. Uh, once the real stuff happens, it, it, anything can happen. Um, but, you know, as you're sitting here going into the start of a season, it does feel as though there is a good vibe around the team. Um, and, and they think they're going to surprise people. That's sort of their stated goal. Uh, they, there have been multiple players that have talked about, we know what everybody's saying and, and we want to prove them wrong. So I guess we will find out. But, you know, as of not having played a game, you know, being 0-0 zero zero in the uh, wins-loss column, there is, a, there is at least a good vibe around what they're trying to accomplish here and the direction that things are heading. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I wanted to, I, I, one of the big questions I was curious about coming into, and I wanted to ask you about here, Jeff, you know, in the, in the MLB, guys have great spring trainings all the time. And a lot of times that doesn't translate. Sometimes it doesn't translate into the regular season. Uh, not, obviously not a lot of times, but you know, there's, there's guys in the NFL Every preseason who, who's, who stand out, who stand out. And then you never really hear from them again. So in the NHL, yeah, the, you know, the, the Jackets were 4-2-2 two and two in, the, in the preseason. Uh, my question is, how much of that can we take into, can someone take into the regular season? Like, what are the positives that you can take away from that preseason that would, that would tend to translate and carry over well into the regular season? And what are some things that are kind of like, all right, we'll just have to wait and see. Like, that was good that it happened in the preseason, but wait and see and, and see if it translates. Yeah, and that is a great question. I do remember, you know, I think what was it, 2015, when I think it was Brandon Saad and Nick Foligno and um, uh, who was the other guy? Uh, was it Winberg or whatever line it was that after they acquired Brandon Saad was like incredible in the preseason and then basically yeah. never played together in the regular season. Someone got hurt. You know, the, the season was a bust from the beginning um, and all that preseason hype that everybody talked about was all for naught. Um, and so you, it, it does feel like anything that happens in the preseason, you take with a grain of salt and you really don't know if it will transfer over. Um, but one thing that, uh, you know, just talking to Zach Wierenski today and he talked about, you know, obviously it is the preseason, say what you will about it. Uh, but they did feel like they played the way that they have to play. They felt like they, they got a lot out of it. You know, they, they sort of established a playing style. Um, they've changed up things a little bit uh, schematically, not a ton because it's hockey and you can't really do a ton different. Um, but they are they are changing a couple of things uh, with the way that they're trying to play. I think they felt good about that. I think they felt good about the power play, um, which they should have because it was really good. Um, that'll be another thing that once they get into the regular season, you know, teams will scout it. Teams will try to take certain things away. But at the end of the day, you look at the, the personnel and you think, uh, you know, this should be able to be a good power play. I think adding Jake Voracek just completely changes the dynamic of, the, of that unit. And so you've got the people in places that you would think that that would con continue over to the regular season. Um, and, but that's, again, you just don't know until these things happen. And so I, I will take a little bit of a wait and see thing. I, I think they built the way that they had to build, uh, but it will really just come down to, you know, once the, once the, uh, once the ammunition is live, uh, you really just don't know how that's all going to translate over. I would say, but you know, for as much as they could get out of the, the preseason, I think they did get some encouraging signs. Like I said, power play, you know, there does seem to be some chemistry, uh, with Patrick Line and um, Jake Voracek, which is one of the biggest things this team needed. You know, Patty looks like a, a different player from a year ago. You know, you see like guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand scoring in the preseason. That's a good sign. Uh, so there are good signs yeah. there, but like, yeah, it, you really just don't know until game one happens. So you brought something up that I think is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that people are going to think about it a lot, but you brought up like good vibes, right? You brought up good vibes in the locker room. They like each other. They're having a good time. They're gelling pretty well. They're all going through, you know, I think the coaching change uh, and having the new coach and new, you know, I don't know how new systems are going to be, but there's going to be some new things involved with a new coach. Uh, they're all kind of going through the same thing. 
if you look back at last year, there weren't that many good vibes. It wasn't good vibes. There were a lot of great players, a lot of a lot of fan favorite players. But you had the you had the Pierre Luc Dubois situation that went down right at the beginning of the, se- the season. Boom, trade right at the beginning. No time to get used to your new teammates. Uh, you had not that I would say. I don't want to make this sound like I was saying Seth Jones was like an issue throughout the season. But everybody kind of knew what was going to happen with Seth Jones, and that hangs over a team whether you whether you you know think about it or not. There were a lot of outside things happening to that team last year. So that team that when we had uh, Jean-Luc Rampierre on the show and he predicted that the Blue Jackets were going to finish in the top two of the division and then they completely tanked out for the season, there were a lot of factors at play, uh, you know, as far as 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 uh, just what may have caused that. So, yeah, hopefully the vibes are good. I mean, I, I would imagine you're seeing a totally different atmosphere there. Yeah, and and let's not lie. I mean, last year was a disaster. Uh, disaster. For whatever the re- <laughs> for whatever the reason, they just never quite got on the same page. And you know, when you start this season um, having to make the trade that they had to make, I think that probably plays a part. You know, you're bringing in new faces. A guy like Max Domi came in, and I think probably tried to prove too much, and ended up kind of not being himself. Also, you add in the fact that they couldn't really sp- spend much time together. You know, with the COVID restrictions and stuff, and. Traveling with the team last year, I'm lucky I didn't travel because it was it sucked. I mean, you couldn't really leave your hotel room in these, you know, in these road cities because of the COVID rules. And so, you know, they brought in these new faces and some strong personalities and guys like like Domi and like uh, um, uh, Patrick Line and a Jack Rozovic. And they couldn't really ever get a chance to be around their teammates. And so, you know, I can't imagine how tough it was for those guys trying to yeah. acclimate themselves. And, you know, then and they hung in there a little bit and then they had that miserable weekend in Detroit and it all just fell apart. But, you know, I'm just talking to some of the, the guys in this preseason. They talked about, yeah, I mean, last year, it just it just did not happen uh, for whatever the reason um, they, they just didn't mesh. It just didn't work out. Um, it was a disaster. They want to turn the page as quickly as possible and go on to this season. And so, yeah, I think I mean, vibes do matter. Um, you know, talent matters more, I think, yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but yeah. I do think that if you get off to a good start and you like being around each other and you have good feelings and just a, people enjoy coming to the ice every day because, you know, you're going to be doing this for 180 days in a row or whatever it's going to be. You know, there has to be a certain amount of enjoying coming to work. Um, and I think they do have that right now. And I think they have a good mix. Um, and you can say that, that that maybe that only lasts till the first losing streak. But, you know, you'd rather have it at the start than not have it. And it does seem as though they have it. God, it was crazy. I just remember even like the Miko Koivu situation. Remember, he just gone. And yeah. you can't blame him. He spent a ton of time in the NHL and it was probably hard for him to assimilate, but they were like counting on him to be a veteran presence. Even if he wasn't going to be the biggest stat guy, but like a veteran leader on the team gone, he, you know, like it was just last year. I think because the record and everything tanked so hard, it's like we forgot about all the crazy stuff that happened last year. <laughs> last year was just not just an unmitigated disaster, but it had to be just hard to go through for everybody. So uh, yeah, it's got it. You know, the 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 clean slate and the fresh start. Uh, what a, what a good feeling that has to be in the building. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And then you think about, but you are right. Last year, you forget about all the things that happened and all the times. I mean, we had the the line, the Dubois situation at the start of the year, and Torts having to come out and talk about basically benching Dubois. And then they trade him, and then you have the situation where Patrick Line gets benched because of you know something that happens on the bench, and Torts said, you know, and it just felt like it was. I don't think it was as dysfunctional as people sort of thought that it was. And I don't think that there was as much vitriol as I think people thought there was, but it just, it just wasn't good vibes. That's probably the best way to say it. Um, Because I do think at the end of the day, I think a lot of people 
thought that, you know, a lot of these guys just couldn't stand torts and didn't like torts and it was a mess and, and all that stuff. And I don't think that was the case, but it just, it did just sort of get to the point where they, you know, they needed to rip the bandaid off and go a different direction and, and try something new. And I think that, that that has kind of energized some people a little bit just because of the fact that it is new. Oh yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you're pointing to me here. Uh, let's, uh, so let's talk about uh, something that just happened today here, uh, Jeff, you know, uh, captains were named and your captain wearing the C today. Uh, the guy who got the C today is Boone Jenner. Uh, what kind of guy is he, you know, in the locker room, you know, he's been here for quite a while. Uh, you know, talk about that. Like what, what went into that decision? What's what, what does he bring to the team that, uh, that the guys really wanted or, the guys are loving it that he has the C on his uh, on his sweater. Yeah, well, if you look at his whole career, I mean, he's just a leader. Uh, he was in AAA, you know, squirts. Basically, he was a captain. He was a captain on you know the team Canada teams he was on when he was a, a, a junior player. He was a captain in juniors at Oshawa. He's been an assistant captain or alternate captain here in Columbus for the past six years, which is a long time to have an A on your sweater. Um, and so I think there's just that respect for what he brings to the table and just how hard he works on a daily basis. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing is I, I don't think he's a huge rah, rah guy. I think Nick Foligno is probably a little more vocal than Boone Jenner is going to be. Um, but they like Boone. They respect Boone. You know, they, they talk about him leading by example. They talk about him being a great leader. They talk about him being a guy they just want to follow. And so I think that's going to be his style coming in uh, is to just be a guy that, that you know is going to show up every day and give you, a, you know, the, the cliche of 110%. Um, but he does do that. I mean, there, there really can never be any doubt about how hard Boone Jenner is going to work uh, when he shows up uh, on a daily basis, both on the ice uh, and off the ice. And so I think that at the end of the day, when they kind of looked around and, and they said, you know, we do want to have a captain for such a young team uh, that they looked in, and Boone was just the obvious choice. And, and it, that's not just from Brad Larson. Uh, that's from Boone Jenner's teammates and from people around the organization is it just felt like that was the move. Uh, and so it is Boone Jenner. And the thing that's also kind of cool to me is you know, you've got a guy like Boone who was drafted by the team and has developed here. Um, one, two, two of the alternate captains as well are Zach Lorinsky and Oliver Bjorkstrand, who are guys yeah. who were drafted here, developed here, came in as young guys and now have taken ownership and have moved up the leadership ladder um, to the point that their teammates respect them to that level. I think that's pretty cool because you're kind of seeing these guys grow up a little bit in front of your eyes. And, and all three of those guys in the past year have linked, uh, have inked long-term extensions to be here. Uh, you know, Zach for six years, uh, you know, Boone for four more, Ollie for five, you know, all those guys want to be here and, and sort of understand what this thing's all about. Uh, and so it's cool. And I'm not saying that to take anything away from Gus Nyquist, who is a guy uh, right. who's only been here two years, but has clearly gained the respect of his team as well. But I think it's cool to see those guys that have grown up in it and know what it's all about and have, have pledged themselves to be here for a while. It's pretty cool to see those guys get the reward and get the recognition that I think they deserve. All right. So help us meet the yeah. new guys. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> We've got uh, a few new faces on the team. Obviously, we talked about the turnover from last year. Uh, so help us meet the new guys. We're just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you guys. Just give us. Give me your impression. Just watching them go through camp and what you kind of expect them to bring to the team this year. Uh, the first one's a familiar face uh, for Blue Jackets fan. It's a former Blue Jacket, and now it's a current Blue Jacket. And I think a lot of people know why he got brought here, even though the trade wasn't. It was a hard trade for Blue Jackets fans to swallow. Uh, but it's Jake Voracek. Uh, you know, what are your, what are your impressions of Jake? Uh, and what do you think uh, the biggest reason for him being here is? Yeah, I think the biggest reason for him being here is to play with Patrick Laine, which I yes. think is essentially what you were saying there. Um, I think they looked at the composition of the roster and realized that they needed to surround Laine with different people. Uh, they specifically needed to get a, a playmaker and a passer 
uh, to play with him. And Voracek, if you look at the numbers, you know, over the last 10 years, seven years, eight years, whatever, you know, span you want to put on it. Uh, Jake Voracek's been one of the best passers and playmakers in the NHL in that span. And so um, they seem to have some instant chemistry. And I think Jake as well, um, you know, Brad Larson talked today uh, when they made the captain announcement is he easily could have put a letter on Jake Voracek as well sure. because of his leadership skills and just what he kind of brings to the table. Um, personality. Uh, he, he's always chirping guys uh, on the ice. He's, he's good with a quote. You know, he's, he's good with a quip. But when the when the chips are down and they got to be out there uh, playing, um, he's one of the hardest workers on the team. He's a total pro. Um, he's bringing some of the young guys along and showing them, you know, because he was in that spot, you know, 10, 12 years right. ago with the Blue Jackets right. being the new guy. And, and he's bringing along some of those young guys now um, and teaching them what he learned over the years. So I, I think he's a really good fit both on and off the ice for what this team's trying to do. All right, let's talk about our, our next one of our next new guys. Our other guest on the show here tonight, a Columbus guy uh, and somebody that's very excited to be here. But another guy that's kind of thrust into a, a veteran role, a, a guy that came from one of the most veteran teams in the league in Boston. And now he's thrust into a veteran role here in Columbus. That's Sean Corelli. What are you uh, what are your impressions of him and how are you feeling about him? Yeah, definitely seems to have those leadership qualities as well. These probably picked up over the years from being in Boston. Um, you know, in his game, I, I think people have watched him. He's been with the Bruins for five years now. Uh, and I think you kind of know his game. He's, he's just a fourth line, rugged player and, and an effort guy and energy guy. Um, he's not going to score a ton of goals. Um, what, what's actually kind of funny is that if you look at his regular season stats and his playoff stats, his playoff stats are a lot better than his regular season stats, which kind of like a Matt Calvert in that regard that, you know, he's built for playoff style hockey. Um, and that's just sort of his MO. Um, if you think about what kind of player he is. And so, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to center the fourth line. I think it's going to be a, a really intriguing fourth line to watch. Uh, at least at the start, it's going to be probably Eric Robinson and uh, Gregory Hoffman. All three of those guys can skate. All three of those guys are energetic. Um, and all three of those guys can pop in a goal every once in a while as well. And so I think that line is going to give people fits. Um, and Corrali is going to be a big part of it for sure. And he's a yeah, guy, guy that could. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Oh, that's always good. A hometown kid. Uh now, a guy that probably could have used a change of scenery, uh, you know, and, and what uh, I think this is a nice place for him to go. Adam Boquist, what, what are your impressions of him? Yeah, certainly has the ability to bring offense from the blue line. Uh, we, we've yeah. seen some passes he's made in these uh, early season, these preseason games. They're like, okay, that was, you know, getting the puck up the ice, getting it quickly, setting up guys to be dangerous in the offensive zone. He has that ability. Um, you know, I, I've heard some people kind of say he's almost a forward playing defense, um, which A, is, is fun. Uh, the other side of that is, you know, you yeah. do have to play defense at the end of the day. It's, it's in the name of the position. Yeah. Um, so I think right. people would tend to tell you <laughs> that, that not necessarily a work in progress, but, you know, his offensive game is probably more developed than his, than his defensive game. But I, think, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Um, it's just something he's going to have to keep getting better at as he goes. But you can see the skill. Uh, you can see the creativity. Um, and he's going to be a guy who's going to run the second power play unit. And I think he's a guy that they really think uh, is, is going to be able to be a really high level uh, top four offensive style defenseman here uh, for the time, you know, going forward. And he's only 21 years old. So you know, he's just going to keep getting better. I don't think you see the best out of defensemen generally until they hit that 23, 24, 25 age range. Uh, so there's still a lot of room for him to grow. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's going to start here now with the blue jackets for him. So now a two, so now a kind of a two part question. We got, you know, First off, you know, the next new guy, Jake Bean. And then, you know, we talked about, and because we talked about with the scoring defense in, as far as Boquist, the second part of that is, you know, uh, I, I think with Seth Jones gone is who's, who's going to be, uh, 
who's going to be Wierenski's line mate? And if it, it, it seems like Boquist might be in that mold, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on who that might be. Yeah, coming into the season, I thought Boquist made a lot of sense. It seems as though the guy you asked about, Jake Bean, is going to get the first chance there. Um, that might okay. just be because of of the way that they kind of feel that. I think Bean's a little bit more of a two-way guy. I think he can bring some offense, but he's described himself as a two-way defenseman uh, to me that kind of feels like that's sort of his his game. And so maybe he fits better with a guy like Z that's a little more offensive. And then maybe put a guy mm-hmm. with Boquist, uh, like Boquist with Vladislav Gavrikov, who's more of a defensive guy. Yeah. Um, and so maybe those kind of complement each other a little bit as they go. Um, but what, it'll be interesting to see how Jake Bean goes. Uh, you know, his numbers probably weren't quite as good. Uh, you know, he played with Carolina a season ago, maybe not quite as good as uh, Boquist were in Chicago. But I think they think really highly of him and think he's just a solid player um, that's going to be able to contribute both offensively and defensively. And you saw he made a great pass to set up a goal in that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. So he's going to be able to bring yeah. a little a little bit offensively. He can also run a power play if he needs to. Did that, excuse me, a little bit in Carolina. So that, that could also be something as well that down the road he goes. But I think he's only 23, if yeah. I have that yeah. right. So, yeah. you know, you mm-hmm. brought in two guys with him and Boquist that are probably high ceiling guys that have a lot of developing still to do, who are both first round picks. Uh, you think about, you know, how good those guys can can mature and, and get over the next couple of years. And, and you start to be pretty excited about where this thing could be going. I don't I, I, Jake Bean. I got excited about Jake Bean the minute my I, I have a cousin who is a diehard Hurricanes fan, uh, and uh, that trade went down and I didn't even hear about it. And he texted me and he was pissed. And he was like, "How'd you guys just steal Jake Bean from us?" And I was like, "I didn't even know that <laughs> happened." Uh, and so I was like, "Well, that's that's got to mean good things uh, as far as just potential <laughs> for a young player." The uh, the last of the new players that's going to be on the opening night roster is an 18 year old. It's Cole Sillinger. Uh, and that's been a, a bit of a hot button topic of conversation. There's been some articles written about it that talk about it rather harshly. And then there's been some, uh, some favorable things, but what do you think about the 18 year old kid being on the opening day roster? I'm all for it. You know, if he earns it, put him out there. As far as I'm concerned, um, I look at it and say, what better place is there to live and learn than in the National Hockey League? Um, you know, and if he can handle it, um, why not? And I think the thing people are maybe worried about is ruining his confidence and things like that. But I just don't get that sense from Cole Cylinder that that's going to be a problem. Um, I mean, he's just he's a hockey player. He just is. Uh, whether it's because he's the son of an NHL player or, yeah. you know, whether he's had good coaching or whether it's just one of those things that that it just he has that innate hockey playerness to him that you can't put a finger on, but he just has it. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some nights where he gets it handed to him being an 18 year old center in the NHL. And he'll be like, well, this sucks. Um, but I, I don't get the sense that that's going to ruin him. Like, I don't get the sense he's going to be like, like, Oh my God, I'm not worthy of this or whatever. Like I just get the sense he feels like he belongs and he, he preps and prepares like he belongs and he has the vibe that he belongs. And so, um, just as in good places, knows how to play the game, has an innate hockey sense. Um, you know, the list of 18-year-olds that have come in and, and really done incredible things in the NHL is not very long. No. Um, so, I mean, I would sort of temper my expectations a little bit as far as that goes. But I do think that, you know, if, if he can handle it, and all indications are he probably can, um, let's go with it and at least start him here and see how it goes. And if he's overwhelmed, you know, 10 games into the season, you've got Cleveland if you want to. You've got the WHL if you want to do that as well. You've got a lot of options with this guy. But why not at least start him here and see how he handles it and see how he does, um, you know, put him in the deep end and, and, you know, you'll know, you'll probably know, you know, five to 10 games into the season, if it's too rich for him and he needs some more development, or if he's a guy that's going to have some ups and downs, but can hang. 
Uh, and so I say, give it a, give it a whirl. Um, you know, the coaching staff and the, the front office is a lot smarter than I am and they think he can handle it. So I say, let's go for it and, and kind of see where it goes and let it develop from there. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you're only going to learn when the best way to learn is getting, getting thrown out there, man. So, uh, all right. So, uh, moving on, Jeff, let's talk about the goaltenders. Uh, you know, last year wasn't the best year defensively. But also, the goaltenders didn't quite live up to the expectations. Now, the, the defense in front of them, you know, played a part in that. But uh, they did not quite live up to, you know, the, the billing here. You know, and going into this offseason, many of us expected either one or the other not to be here, Jonas or, uh, or Elvis. What, uh, what do you expect out of them this year? What's, what's the expectations going in for these goaltenders? It will be interesting to watch because if you looked at their career over the years, you know, they started last year splitting starts. Um, and they, neither of them, I think probably played their best. And I think that's kind of, uh, I think they're both goalies that want to be the man. They want to be the guy that runs runs with it. And you look at two years ago, Corpus Allo was at his best when he just got to start every game and got a yeah. chance to run yeah. with it. And Elvis was at his best, uh, both last year and the year before when, you know, Corpy was hurt and Elvis just had to go with it. And I think both of those guys are kind of in that mold and they both want to be the number one guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. You know, do they split it at the start of the year and then eventually let a guy run with it? Or do they pick one at the start of the year and just say, you're running with it until we have a reason not to, or how, do, how do they do it? it? It will be really interesting to watch. Um, and you hate to kind of say that one guy might end up being a backup because I think they both have earned their stripes a little bit and earned those opportunities to get a chance to run with it. But at the end of the day, you know, the reality is what it is. I think they both understand there's really only one, you know, you can only play one goalie at a time. Uh, and so <clears throat> it'll be very interesting to see how they handle it. But I mean, I think they're both really good goalies. And I think they both have the ability to do it. And, and my just gut sense, and I, I've written this and I've, I've said this in other places, is my gut sense is just that Elvis kind of takes it and runs with it. I just have, yeah. you know, from everything from him signing the contract to just him understanding the league now, um, and having the experience that he's gained over the last couple of years and just his personality and his drive and everything about him, it just feels like this is his time to take off. Um, and I couldn't end up being dead wrong with that, but that's just my gut feeling with everything. And I hate to say that is it, I don't want that to come off as a slight on Corpy because I love, you know, another guy with a great personality and a great goalie who has done a lot for this organization. Um, but just my gut is that Elvis just kind of takes it and runs with it. And like, you know, not, I'm not rooting against Corpy and maybe it ends up being Corpy that does it, but that's just sort of my vibe and my feeling of how things are going to go. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to watch and interesting to see because uh, like I say, they both want to play and they both want to be the guy. And, and that's just, uh, unless one of them gets hurt, gets hurt, that's just going to be really hard to do. I got a follow up to that. How much, how much does that, because, you know, last year, they I mean, they were pretty much alternating games. You know, uh, Corpy would start one game, Elvis would start the next. How much can that affect a, a goaltender's mentality and rhythm? And, you know, it, it affects the guys in front of them, too, knowing who they've got behind them. How much can, uh, you know, not letting, not picking a guy and just running with him, uh, you know, affect the, 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 the team? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen it happen more in the NHL these days than ever before. I mean, it used to be. Yeah, you know, most teams had a guy that started 60, 65 games. Right. Heck, Martinique started Martinique started 77 for the yes. Blue Jackets one year. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, yeah. And, and we saw when Bob was here, Bob was, you'd pencil him in, he'd start between 60 and 65 games a season. And then whoever the backup was, you know, you basically get the second game of back-to-backs. And so, um, you know, we saw that here for a long time, but now there are more organizations and more teams that do tend to go the tandem route and say, we're going to try to split it, whether it be 50, 30, 40, 40, however they want to do it. Um, yeah. you, know, you don't want to tire out a goalie and, you know, and, and have him 
run out of steam by the end of the year. And so I think we've seen teams that have started to do that. Um, but I think both of these guys want to be the man. And I think every goalie wants to be the man, if we're being honest. But like some goalies probably handle the alternation better than others. And if you've looked at, I say, if you look at the proof in the pudding, you know, both Corpy and Elvis seem to be guys that are better when they, they can stack those starts on top of one another. And so, you know, and, they, and they're, they're both great guys. They love working with each other. They love working with Manny Legacy. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any antagonism there or any sort of bitterness or anything like that. But they're just guys that may just be suited better to having the, that run of starts. And so that is something that the Blue Jackets kind of, I, I think they've got to figure out here and decide what they want to do um, somewhat quickly, just because, just so the guys know, and just, you know, kind of make a plan and stick with it and run with it. Because I think that probably suits both of those guys better, uh, to be honest with you. One thing that I think is cool and that, and that I respect between both of them, between between Elvis and Jonas, is they both, Elvis is more vocal for sure. Uh, but they both have make it pretty clear. Like they want to be the starting goalie. They they want to start as many games as, as they will be allowed to start. But it hasn't turned into like a contentious thing. It's not like they it hasn't turned into like this rift between them either. Like they 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 are both good teammates. They they don't talk smack about each other. Uh they they celebrate each other when there's things to celebrate. Like it's it's a it's a cool relationship, even knowing that both of them would like the other one to play as little as possible. <laughs> and that's a really hard thing to do yeah. um, at the end of the day. It really is. Um, and so I commend them for that. And I think it's because they do like each other. And I think they have a lot of respect for Manny um, and how Manny manages that situation. I mean, the most fun thing to do covering the Blue Jackets is to watch the goalie practice with Manny, Corpy, and Elvis because they're always, you know, they're always chirping each other. They're always encouraging each other. Manny is always talking smack. Anytime Manny scores a goal, he celebrates like he's won the Stanley Cup. Um, <laughs> one of those guys. Like, <laughs> but there is very clearly a, a camaraderie there that is uh, that is pretty cool. And I think one thing that also happens as well, um, I think everybody tends to love Elvis. I mean, media members love Elvis because he's going to fill up your notebook. Um, fans love Elvis because he's the more outwardly emotional guy. Um, his heart's on his sleeve. He talks about how much he wants to be here and and you know, things like that. And so I think Elvis kind of has the popular sentiment in some ways, but Corby, I think has every, I want to say quite every bit as per, much personality as Elvis, because there's very few people that have as much personality as Elvis. Um, but Corby is a very well-liked and respected and, and honestly beloved member of that locker room. He has a great personality. It's finished. So it's very reserved and it's very dry, um, a dry humor, but like he is a very well-liked, well-respected uh, a guy in that room. And I think they, they, you know, and they know how much work he's put in over the years being a backup for as long as he was um, the guy, the guys do love him. And I think he has a lot of personality that just doesn't come out in the media and in public just because he's, he's a little bit more reserved and he's, and he frankly, he's finished. And that's just sort of their personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's really awesome to hear because like, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast before and several other blue jacket guests is like, Corpy, like, and you would even understand it in a sense. Corpy could very easily go the other way just because he was a backup for so long. He sat behind Bob, you know, you know, for all those years. And, uh, you know, and I talked about it before. He wasn't even the number one when he was in Cleveland, Jeff. Like, he sat behind yeah. Anton Forsberg. Right. So he could have very easily went that way. So it's, uh, it's really awesome to hear about that. Uh, okay. So uh, a couple more quick questions. Uh, 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 obviously, brand new coach. And so you've been watching practice. You've been talking to him, Brad Larson. You've been seeing how he runs things. Obviously, you saw how things were run uh, under torts. Uh, so just kind of your your impressions. Uh, now that we're done with camp, now that we're heading into the season, uh, 
Talk about your early impressions of Lars about how he handled things in the offseason and maybe some areas where we should expect to see some differences because, again, this is a guy that was on towards the staff. Um, and so maybe we shouldn't be expecting huge, tremendous, crazy differences. But where are some areas that you feel like things are going to be different? Yeah, and I think the thing that they liked about him is that he was in some ways the same, but obviously in some ways was different. And um, that is one of the big questions that came up is like, you know, if, if you're going a different direction – from torts, like, why would you hire a guy that's on torts' staff? And so I've kind of talked to Brad Larson about that to where I've said, like, hey, people have said, you know, why keep a guy from the previous staff? You know, are you going to be a lot like torts? And, and he just kind of laughs and goes, like, who's who else is like torts? Like, there's, not, of course, I'm not going to be like torts. I mean, torts right. is a, a unicorn. Like, he's, there's only one torts. And so I'm going to be a different guy. Um, but I think they do like the, 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 the accountability um, and the culture that they had established over the years under torts. I mean, last year, throw out last year and they really had established, you know, a, a winning culture in this organization for a consistent amount of time that frankly had, had really never been there um, consistently over more than, you know, they had, they'd have a playoff run and then it would fall apart. Um, you know, so to, to make the playoffs four straight years and kind of build the way they did under towards it never ended as, as deep in the playoffs as they wanted it to. Uh, but I think they did like what had been built uh, here over the years. And so I think they think uh, Lars will bring that a little bit. I think, you know, the first thing you notice about him is he's a stand up guy. Um, he's a look you in the eye guy. He has a presence about him. Um, he's a straight shooter. He's very honest, um, but he understands people. Um, you know, he's a guy that you can't help but like. I think he was very well liked and very well respected by everybody in that locker room. Um, and I think he's also, uh, and he, he can also, I've heard he's one of the, one of the best chirpers uh, out there as well. Like he does, kind of doesn't necessarily give off that vibe, but he can, uh, you know, he can needle guys and, and get under their skin with the best of them, which is kind of, that's part of the hockey culture, I think, a little bit as For well. Sure. So, yeah. And so I think that there, there is just a general, very, um, a comfort factor with him that has been built over the years. But he does command respect. And I think that, I think practices so far have been a little more up-tempo than we saw under torts. I think they've been probably a little bit longer, um, at least in camp. Um, there's been a lot more emphasis on playing with the puck um, and, and doing things uh, with the puck on your stick and, and situations that you have in games uh, more so than, than you would, they had in past years. Because I'll be honest, like by the end, um, is the, more tor- the longer Torch was here, the less Torch liked to practice. Um, I think he just was a guy that he, he believed in kind of saving energy for games, um, and especially last year when the schedule was so, um, so shrunk. You know, they didn't really practice a ton at all. Um, it was more about saving energy for games and stuff like that. And I think the jackets will get there as they go, but, but there is a little bit of, um, you know, let's be high energy. Let's be, you know, that, and I think there is a, a reason for that too, is that they're a younger team. You know, there's probably a little bit more teaching time out there. Um, it's a brand new team as we talked about earlier. So the more that they can be on the ice together right now is probably a good thing. Um, but he does seem to, he seems to run a high tempo. Uh, I, I can see why guys would want to play for him and want to be around him. And so, um, you know, he's certainly not going to fill up the notebook like torts and he's probably not going <laughs> to uh, create as many gifts as torts, but I do think that there's, it's a guy that's very well respected. Um, and a people, the guy that as people get to know him, uh, people are going to like him because uh, he does have a good personality and is, is a guy that people want to follow. All right. So we hit on this earlier to wrap up things with the blue jackets again, last season, there were some expectations. You had good players coming into the year. It all collapsed for a lot of reasons. And it turned into, like we've talked about, an unmitigated disaster of a season. Now, when you look at predictions for the season, when you look at the preseason power rankings and all that, the Blue Jackets are always bottom five. Uh, the expectations are this team is too young. 
they're they're not going to be able to succeed with uh, with the youth, with the inexperience, with the new coach, all that stuff. So how do the Blue Jackets do exactly what they did last year and flip the script on what people <laughs> thought in the preseason and 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 have you know potentially a good uh, a good winning season? Yeah. I think your, your stars have to be your stars. I mean, Patrick Laine cannot, I mean, he had 10 goals in 45 games last year. I mean, if, it, if Patrick Laine is on that pace this year, this is not going to be a good hockey team. No. Um, Max Domi had 24 points last year. If Max Domi plays on that pace again this year, this is not going to be a very good hockey team. So they need guys to kind of play up um, to their potential. Um, and I think that they can do that. I do think Laine is, is primed for a bounce back year. He just kind of has that vibe about him. Um, I do think you'll see more out of Domi. I do think, you know, if one of the goalies takes it and runs with it, uh, that means that you're going to get really good goaltending on a night in, night out basis. And that's the number one thing you need to win in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, I think you add in, you know, an Oliver Bjorkstrand is, I think, one of the most underrated players in the league. He should be a 30 goal scorer this year. You know, you need guys like that. You probably are going to need a little bit of health as well. Like, I mean, you probably, it would hurt this team to lose a guy like, a Bjorkstrand or a Line or oh, a Zach Wierenski yeah. for an extended period of time because there just isn't, you know, the depth to replace those guys uh, yeah. as far as that goes. So you probably need a little bit of luck and a little bit of depth and things like that. And then you, you probably need some young guys to play up. You need, you know, it would be great for this team if Alexander Texier proves yes. he's a top six center and can play with Line and Voracek and, and play and compliment them and, and finally put all the pieces together um, that I think we've seen in flashes uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, a guy like, Jack Rosovic stacking another good season on top of things. Maybe in a Mill Bemstrom, you know, uh, or Cole or, or Igor saying, okay, I am this good. I, I do deserve to be out there. So I think they need things to break their way a little bit, but it's not things that you look at and go, that's impossible either. So, um, I, you know, I think that there's, you know, with the good vibes and stuff, I see people out there kind of going, oh, I said, this team is going to really surprise people. This is a playoff team, things like that. Um, it could be, but I, I think, you know, it's center. They really would need someone to step up at center and they would really would need someone to step up, you know, and maybe the last, uh, you know, the guys who aren't Zach Wierenski and Vladislav Gavrikov defensively have to be really good um, for them to be a playoff team, a playoff contender. Um, now that could certainly happen though. Um, and you factor in that if you get a full line A and you get, yeah. you know, uh, you get uh, some of these guys playing up, you get Zach Wierenski having a great year, you get a really hot goalie for most of the season, you know, then you have the makings of a playoff team, but it is young. There's going to be ups and downs. You know, Cole Sillinger is going to have nights where he's 18 years old and it just doesn't happen for him <laughs> and things like that. So I think you kind of I'm it's hard for me to sit here and say this is going to be a playoff team, especially because I think the division is pretty good. Um, there's not going to be any easy ones in the division. I don't think the division is great, but I do think that the other teams are, you know, they're going to be hard outs on a nightly basis. And so um, I think this team will be better than the experts give them credit for. Um, but I'm not. I think a lot of things have to break right for them to be a playoff team, um, but they could though. And, and so it's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not going to happen, um, but I just think a lot of things have to go their way. Just they're young. I mean, I, I looked this up the other day, speaking of the new team, uh, I think there's a potential of like nine major contributors being uh, 23 years old or younger. That this is year. awesome. I mean, that, that could be half your roster on a given night is 23 or younger. And so that's not a recipe for success in the NHL on a night in night out basis. And so, um, but I do think it's going to be a fun team. I, I, I think yeah. this is, you know, whereas last year was not a fun team. I think this team will be fun because you will see it growing and you'll see it getting better and you will see, you know, some things that will make you come out of your seat. I mean, if Patrick Lanning scores goals like he did in the preseason and if, 
All yeah, this has Jesus. great seniors and stuff like that. I think it's <laughs> going to be a fun team to watch. Um, will it be a playoff team? I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but I'm not going to count it out either. But like I said, a lot of things probably have to go their way for that to be the case. But you should enjoy watching Blue Jackets hockey this year. That will be my big prediction. Let's go. I mean, if hey, if there's one thing that the NHL does well, it's parody. So yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go, Jackets. Uh, all right. So real quick, before we let you out of here, we're going to step away from the Blue Jackets for a minute because you are like the busiest man in Columbus right now. Uh, uh, we're going to uh, step away from the Blue Jackets for just a minute and just go around the NFL. But I just want to know three things. A a surprise team in a good way for you this year. A surprise team in a bad way for you this year. And then if I made you give your like preseason, who is the best team in hockey? Uh, what are your three answers to those questions? I'll start with the hockey one um, because that's probably easier for me. Um, three, you said three best teams. I mean, I think the Avs are there. Um, they look really good. It's hard to bet against the Lightning. Um, so I think they're up there. Um, and then, I mean, a lot of people like the Panthers. I'm just not, I don't know if I'm prepared to go that far yet with them. Um, but then as I think about it, who else would I put there? <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite <laughs> sold on the Islanders as being like a top five team, even though they're probably the favorite to win the Metro. Um, they, you know, the Bruins are getting older. You know, maybe people might say Vegas. I think Vegas will probably be pretty good. You know, Toronto might be the answer to that. As much and they're they're cursed, so they're gonna until the playoffs. The Toronto, yeah, the Toronto thing will probably happen at the end of the day. But if you just look at their roster, um, it's hard for me to say Toronto is not probably not one of the best three teams in the league. So. Uh, I would go Toronto, Tampa, and then uh, who did I say? The Avs would be my answer to that. Okay. Um, and so then NFL wise, too. Well, oh, wait. Heck, I'm did a Brown. Did a bro- I say NFL? You did. Is yeah. that what I said? I'm an idiot. Well, first of all, <laughs> oh, I want to hear that opinion. I thought, we were, I thought we were going to talk a little football here. I was talking about Baker and my Browns for a second. Uh, okay. I'm going to get to that in one second, but I must have just totally missed my question. So my other, it was a three part question. Yes. So then my other part was. Your surprise good team in the NHL. I don't know. Ah. We've been talking a lot of football. Surprise Idiot. good team and surprise bad team <laughs> in the NHL. And then I want your NFL take. <laughs> let's see here. Surprise good team, surprise bad team. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm kind of looking at the, at the numbers here. And I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I could see the Canadians really falling off after last year being a finalist. Um, but I think almost everyone thinks that. Right. I think everyone kind of realizes they got a little bit lucky. Right. Um, I also kind of want to say, you know, what's an interesting thing about this, this division this year is that there's a good chance that both the Penguins and the Capitals are going to be having to battle to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and those have been playoff yeah. standbys for the last decade. Uh, so it yeah. wouldn't surprise me, though, as those teams get older, that you kind of start to see them fall off a little bit. Um, and so, I mean, as I say this, the Penguins are up 2 nothing on the Lightning yeah. right now. Yeah, so maybe they're I'll dominating have- <laughs> the Lightning tonight. Yeah, maybe I'll have egg on my face, but it would not surprise me at all if either one of those teams really kind of falls off a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't think the Blues are going to be that good compared to what people thought they were. I think the Preds are going to probably fall apart. Um, I just didn't Ooh. like that team at all last year until until Soros became the best goalie in the world. That team was <laughs> dreadful. Um, and anytime you you know you can get in trouble saying this, but like anytime you've built your roster on Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, I don't think you're a very good hockey team. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. I wish Joey was here tonight. Our third guy is a huge Predators fan, and I just would like to look at his face while you rip his team apart. Yeah, I hate to say that, you know, unfortunately it is what it is. And so surprise good. Maybe the stars come back. I mean, I've always liked their depth. Um and last year they were so banged up, but like, I think if they're healthy, that could be a surprise team. 
um, on the good side. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know enough about the West to really answer that question. <laughs> um, yeah. Surprise. Is there anybody in the, yeah, I don't, I, in the Metro, I just, maybe the Rangers just because everybody's getting a little bit older. So yeah. I, I maybe go there as well. Um, yeah. I want to say the hurricanes, but they just lost so many guys. Oh. Um, and I'm just not quite sold on the devils yet as well. So maybe, uh, maybe the stars and the Rangers. How about that? Okay. Fair. You know what? You know what? He's going to listen to this while he's editing. Screw you, Joe. Screw the press. <laughs> All right. Okay. So then the last question, obviously, because it got brought up and then because you said you're a Browns fan and we are based out of Cleveland. And so let's go Browns. Uh, you were going to give us some takes. You were going to give us some Browns takes. So give us some, <laughs> give us some Browns takes before we let you out of here. It is weird to be sort of disappointed in a three and two team that is clearly a good football team. Right. But yeah, but you also go and like, I mean, the two games they've lost, they were leading in the fourth quarter handily, not like by a point, but like by like a score, like a touchdown. Right. And they also then it, for all the things that went wrong in those games, they got the ball back with a chance to win the game in both of those games. And they fell flat on their face. They didn't get past the 50 yard line, basically, neither of those times. And so um, it's disappointing that they've been so close to being really good and winning those marquee games and haven't won them. Um, and so, but I still believe, I think this is very clearly a good football team. I think everyone was all over Baker for that game against the Vikings. It's like, whatever it's, everybody has a bad game. Right. Like, I mean, Tom Brady had a bad season two years ago and now he's Tom Brady again. So like, I'm not going to like Patrick Mahomes sucked out loud on Sunday night. Like, I mean, he's still Patrick Mahomes. Like let's no one's sitting here saying Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is washed. So like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So everybody got all over Baker for that game. Like, I mean, Baker is clearly, is he one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? I mean, probably not, but is he a good enough quarterback? to win you playoff games. I think he is. Um, The team is good. Um, I'm worried about the injuries, but by and large, I mean, I still think this is a very good football team and uh, they're going to be in it till the end. Listen, we let's go. We, we (laughs) haven't even, we haven't even talked about it. So I love that you brought it up because normally Chad and I uh, do a little recap the night of the game. And we, we weren't able to do that this week. And man, I agree with what you say, but I'm also like, here's the thing that I keep coming back to. That's like, bringing me hope. It's like, it's like, it's this double-edged sword, right? I hate the fact that we should have beaten the chiefs. And I hate the fact that we should have beaten the chargers. I hate the fact that we should have beaten both of those teams and we didn't beat either one of them. But having said that, the thing that keeps like reeling me back in is we, if I had to pick some games for the Browns to lose this season, the Chiefs and the Chargers were probably going to be two of the leading candidate games for me to choose for the Browns to take a loss. Doesn't make it easier on a Sunday or whatever, but like, you know, they're beating the teams they should beat. And if they do that all season, they're going to win more than 10 games because they should beat most teams they play. Uh, and, and then you just, you know, it's kind of what we talk about in every sport. You, you, you get through the regular season, you try to stay healthy, make it to the postseason, and then nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, and I think that's still exactly the trajectory the Browns are on. And, and I would say, too, the thing about the NFL is you are going to lose some games. Yeah. Um, but the problem becomes uh, you can't lose too many should have won, should have won them games. And I think you could argue both the Chiefs and the Chargers games, they had a chance to win and, and should have won at least one of those based on the way those games played out. And so you can't give away too many games at the end of the year because you've only got so many. Right. And, you know. You have you have enough should have won those games, and then you're suddenly you're you're not in the playoffs. <laughs> so right. So yeah, they need to you know. The, and what's actually interesting is that this game coming up this week is kind of a swing game because the Cardinals look really good <clears throat> so far this year. Yeah. 
And so I kind of feel like uh, this is a game that if you win this game, you feel pretty good about the trajectory of your season. And if you lose this game and you're three and three, and you've, st- you've still probably got a pretty good division, and you've still got teams like you still got to play the Packers, and, and you know, the Broncos look a little feisty, you know, and you've still got Steelers, you know, Bengals, Ravens, like then you start to go, you know, you got to start winning games here. So yeah. Sunday will be a very interesting litmus test, I think, for the Cleveland Browns. All right. Litmus test in the Browns. Not the way I thought I was going to end and end an end, 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 end interview is the <laughs> words that I am trying to say with Jeff Svoboda. Uh, but you know what? We appreciated your Browns insight. We love the Browns. We say go Browns. They're going to win on Sunday because they need this bounce back. Uh, and if they've proved proven anything under Kevin Stefanski, they get those bounce back games. And I like that about them. So, uh, Jeff, you are busy. You got a million things to do. The season starts on Thursday, so life is crazy. We can't tell you how much we appreciate the time you took with us here tonight on the Garage Beers podcast, uh, and hopefully we can talk to you a little more as the season goes on uh, and uh, and hopefully as the Blue Jacks, Jackets are surprising some people. So, Jeff Svoboda, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck covering this, the team this season. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And once again, a humongous thank you. To our special guest, our second special guest of the episode, Jeff Svoboda. Go follow him on Twitter, at Jackets Insider. The dude puts up crazy stats, great information, great insight on the team. He's talking to the players and the coaches uh, and people around the team all the time. And so get over and follow him, at Jackets Insider. Uh, But Chad, uh, man, he gave us – it's hard to even break down everything he gave us because he – I'll fill people in a little bit on the back end of that conversation – he kind of like apologetically talked about how he talked a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, that's why you were here. He right. goes, that was great, man. It, the information he gave us, that was awesome. No, that was really awesome. I mean, really any, any time you can give someone uh, that you bring on the show, you could, you know, like we, we could just say, you know, Jack Roslovic go. And he just went off on a tangent. <laughs> and that's yeah. And, and, you know, and it's really cool to get that sort of information from someone who's, as dialed in and as on the inside as, as Jeff is. And uh, yeah, it that was really cool to hear. Yeah. And like I said, go follow him at jackets insider on Twitter. Uh, but Jeff about a, a guy that I'm sure we'll be checking in with uh, along with what has become a little bit of a Jew, a blue jackets family for us. Uh, uh, as, as you know, it's been so awesome getting to know a lot of these guys and uh, having them on the show. And I'm sure you will be here. Some familiar voices some guys we've had on the show before, and we will have some new voices on as well as the season goes on. But again, uh, it is, it's season time. Jackets, coyotes, kicking things off Uh, again, Thursday night. If you're listening to this after Thursday, hopefully the jackets won. If you're listening to it on Thursday, get to your TVs tonight and watch the game. And then I love that the second game is against the Kraken. So we're going to get to see, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get to see that brand new team, the Kraken uh, right off the bat against the blue jackets. So, uh, Chad, you have any, any final thoughts, any final thoughts on the blue jackets, man, um, man, uh, I, I've been, I've really encouraged. I know we talked about, um, I know we talked about it with Jeff a little bit, as far as what you can take into the regular season, uh, from the preseason. Uh, and, and I, 
I can't help but feel the little, the least, the little bit optimistic, a little bit optimistic about this season. I, I want to temper my expectations. It's kind of like my expectations with the Browns every year. I try to keep them low. <laughs> I try to keep them low. That way I'm not disappointed if they don't meet those expectations, but also it makes me that much more excited if they exceed those expectations. Right? I, I, I think I really like the moves that this team made in the offseason. You know, I, I honestly think for as, as much as people are going to might not like this or what I'm about to say, I, I like the trade for uh, with, yes. with, Cam, with Cam. I was uh, just going to say that. Because I, I think Jacob Voracek is going to, and Jeff touched on it a little bit, I think Jacob Voracek is really going to help out Patrick Line this year. Yes. Patrick, Patrick Line is not is not a creator. I mean, I know he had the great goal the other night in Detroit. I know he had that great goal, but he is a guy. He is a sniper. He is he is of a, of an Ovechkin mold. He needs to. He stands at the top of the circle and waits for someone to set him up. And Jacob Voracek well, and is just that he's guy. A guy. He's a guy, Chad. That that he'll have those crazy end to end coast to coast goals where he you know is is slicing his way through the defense of the other team. He'll have that because he right. can do that. What you're talking about is in the zone. When you've got right. the puck in the zone, he's not the guy that's going to be the ultimate creator in the zone. Right. Uh, and, and he needs that guy around him. And I, I agree. Listen, nobody was like thrilled to see Cam leave Columbus. Right. Nobody was super pumped about that. The guy loved Columbus. He loved being a Blue Jacket. And he was a good player. Yeah. He was a good player. And he's still going to be part of Columbus. He's still going to be a part of Columbus even yeah. after. But who's better for your guy that you're trying to build this team around? Because the guy you're trying to build this team around as of right now is Patrick Line. Right. Who's better for Patrick Line than Jacob Voracek? I don't. I don't know how many guys you could have gotten in the league that were realistic, realistically, that would be better for Patrick Line than Jacob Voracek. Right. 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 I, I think mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I think. I think if things go right, I could see. Pa- I could see Patrick having forty goals, 30, 40 goals this season. Just be yeah, just strictly, be, strictly because of Jake, and, and because Patrick Line knows where to go. I mean, he knows how to get open. He knows how to get open shots. And Jake knows how to find the guys that are open for open shots. And, right. you know, and if, and if Patrick's on, that's he, a good combination, Chad, that's a good combo. Right. And, and if, Pat, and if Patrick's on, he's one of the most lethal snipers in this league. So, yeah. and, and so Jacob setting him up is, is, is going to be a really nice combination in this league. I mean, you know, for me, the jackets, it's really going to be about how those third and fourth lines come together. You know, I think I think you're gonna get I think you're gonna get plenty of scoring from the first and second, but we'll see how the we'll see how the grinders and the on the fourth and the third lines uh, lines go. Yeah, I, I I think listen, I think a, a big part of a little bit of hope that you can have for the season is anybody out here saying that the jacket again fringe playoffs maybe if if yeah. everything goes well. If everything yeah. goes well, right? Like that's right. what we're looking at. Right. We're not. Nobody here is like, oh, okay. Well, if, they, if this goes well and this goes well, we're looking at a Stanley Cup. Like, no, nah, no. But the thing that we hit on so much with Jeff, a lot of negative vibes last year. Yeah. I don't think the team. I don't think the team was as bad. I don't think the Blue Jackets are as bad as what they were last year. I think there were yeah. so many circumstances. That were just hovering over that team right. all year long. I don't think they were as bad as they were last year. I don't in reality, and I don't think this team is is that bad. And so I think if you wipe away some of those things, you're starting fresh 
with a Patrick Line that's actually like knows where he's going to be this year, right? Uh, and knows what to expect, and a Roslovic that knows what to expect, and you don't have Pierre Luc Dubois and his and his threats and hanging or uh, sitting out and all that stuff hanging <laughs> yeah. over the city. And again, I brought it up. I, again, don't take this the wrong way. Seth Jones wasn't like a malcontent. He wasn't being right. a dickhead about it, but everybody knew he wanted to leave. Right. Like every, everybody knew he wanted out. Right. Uh, so that hangs over a team. You feel that as a player, we've talked to players that told you, you feel that all that stuff's gone. Right. And, and so like, I would expect, and, and that's what I loved about before we wrap up, but that's what I loved about what Jeff said, Chad. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I right. think it's going to be a fun team. Last last year, it looked like they were just like like every other team was skating on fresh ice, and and the Blue Jackets were like trying to skate on slush on the side of the road. Right. I uh, I dread it, Mike. I'll be honest. I dreaded sitting down to watch some of those games last yeah. year. I did. I really did. I think that's done. I think we're done with that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Chad, real quick, before we do our three cheers of the week, there's just one other thing I want to talk about because you and I really haven't had a chance to talk Browns at all. We didn't have a chance to do our uh, post-game recap. I just stared at a camera and talked for a minute, which just is It was so hot. It was so hot. So dumb. So dumb. (laughs) So hot. So dumb. Uh, So we've had a couple days. We're going to switch topics off of the Blue Jackets for a minute. Um, uh, So if you're Blue Jackets fans and Browns fans, stick with us because we're going to have a little quick Browns talk. We've had a few days to marinate on what happened on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, which was a game that was pretty much controlled offensively by the Browns all the way through. I mean, God, the time of possession was absurd. Yeah. Uh, a game where the Browns ran all over the Chargers, as we knew they were going to do. Yep. Uh, but a game where defensively you were let down on too many plays. A game mm-hmm. where, uh, yeah, again, you know me. You know I always try to fade away from from talking about refs and deciding outcomes of games. Yep. But when you throw a bogus pass interference flag on a fourth down, that really ends the momentum for the Chargers. The Chargers don't get that. Remember, the Browns get the ball at like their own twenty some yard line. Yeah. Like the Chargers were deep inside Browns territory when they ran that play, mm-hmm. or their own territory, I guess. So the Browns get the ball at the Chargers like twenty yard line. Mm-hmm. If the Chargers don't complete that pass. That call completely turned the entire momentum of the game. Again, you can stay. What people love to do is, oh, if this didn't happen and this didn't happen. But you know what? The Browns played just well enough to where they had the Chargers in a fourth down and they forced an incomplete. And then a bogus pass interference gave the Chargers new life and they went down the field and scored. Uh, uh, So that, uh, I mean, it just... It does. It's that disappointing feeling like that game should have been all Browns beginning to end. And then, and at the end, at the end, and Jeff said this in our interview with him, your offense had the ball with a chance to go down and win the game. Right. And for the second time this year, first time being with the chiefs for this and, and going back to last year, because it happened in the playoffs, Browns had the ball in their hands with a chance to go down and win the game. They're not doing it. Right. Uh, so I don't know, man, how are you feeling? first off, like, I don't like, I, I don't like the fact that people are pointing to just one area of this game and just kind of focusing, you know, there, there was, there, there were several, several uh, points of emphasis in this game that you could point to that cost the Browns this game. 
you know, it, you know, uh, in in all areas, you know, there was the there was that bogus pass interference call that you that you mentioned, Mike. There were things on offense, yeah. I mean, and that's hard to say because you scored forty two points, but when it all comes down to it, you you know the Chargers scored forty seven, and you had a chance to uh, win the game. Uh, at the end of the game, you had the ball in your hands, like you said, when you had the ball in your hands at the end of the game with a chance to win, and you failed to convert. You know, you had a ball in your hands when it was 42-41 after that mixed extra, missed extra point with a chance to, to, to put the Chargers away, and you, and you wow. didn't convert, and, 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 you di- and you weren't able to make a couple of first downs. You weren't able to make the Chargers use any timeouts. Special teams, for God's sakes, Jamie Gillen. Jamie yeah, Gillen it's been bad. can't it's been flip, really bad. Jamie Jamie Gillen can't flip the field anymore. Coaching that series when it was 42-41 after the Chargers missed, missed really the extra bad. point. It, it, it's terrible. So it's the Browns, I mean, yeah, you scored 42 points and you, and you expect to have a chance to win, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter when you can't close out the games. When you can't the close thing, out a game. Thing, the thing that like is a little confused, like I'm confused. It's it's like a confusing thing. I, I have lost zero faith faith in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. This whole conversation about Baker Mayfield, he had a great game. He was great in this game. You can't be using the excuse that this dude's got a partially torn labrum uh, in the in the Vikings game. Even the people that were ripping him for the Vikings game were like, "Yeah, but he's got the injury, uh, so you know we'll give him a little leeway for that." He still has that, and he was great in this game. He was great. He did everything he needed to do for 90% of the game to to give the Browns a victory. And again, remembering that this is a guy that lost offensive linemen. You're, you're down linemen. You're down Jarvis Landry, who is your security blanket, and that's what Jarvis is for Baker. You, there's a lot going against Baker, and he had a terrific game. He had a terrific game. But See, Yeah, okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I... I that's the thing. I know. I know Baker played great, and and I know, and but that but that's the thing that bugs me. Like, yeah, Baker Baker did play great, but the Browns, like when you saw the game plan, the Browns, the, you know, Coach Stefanski kind of got Baker back to the simple things. They didn't ask him to do anything that special. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had that long touchdown to Ninjoku, but it, it wasn't a Ninjoku broke a tackle and, and and took it the rest of the way. You know, it wasn't some. It wasn't some incredible throw. Like I, again, I'm not trying to shit on Baker here, but it's it, yeah, he had a great game. But Baker made a lot of Chad. Baker made a lot of incredible throws. In but the but 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 when you can't convert down the when you can't convert down the stretch, Mike. Agreed. In, in my eyes, when you can't convert down the stretch, to me that's like you moved the ball great between the twenties, but you couldn't finish at the end of the game. Like that. That's what it's like to me. Like. It doesn't. Okay. It's like it's 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 great. Like he played great, but if you can't close out a game, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. So I agree with that. He did play great. I think there's a lot that goes into like. Okay, we can talk about great throws. Uh, Justin Herbert's two long touchdowns. Those were great throws. All he had to do was loft it out to an area because there wasn't a defender within 78 yards of his. And, of that's, Mike and that's the part those I didn't get. Great throws. And that's the part I didn't was, get he, to he yet. Could have thrown those, <laughs> he could have thrown those left handed and yeah. it would have been fine. They'd have been yeah. fine. Right. Uh, and so, listen, here's, here's like Baker did play well all the game. That, again, there was a lot that went into the loss. The defense, holy shit. 
yeah. the, 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 the miscommunications on the defense. We'll get to that in a minute. The, the 42 to 41 drive was so frustrating. Yeah. And here's why. And, but again, I haven't lost faith in Kevin Stefanski, but I think he needs to like get his shit together for a minute. Yeah. It's, it's like, like I haven't lost faith in myself in things, but there's things I need to get my shit about. It doesn't mean I want Kevin Stefanski to get fired. Right. That's it's the thing that's driving me crazy about right. Browns fans right now. You like Baker's the guy. Baker's not the guy. Kevin Stefanski sucks. Kevin Stefanski's the man. Nah, stop it. Kevin Stefanski is a great coach. Got to get his shit together a little bit right now. If you're going to be Mr. Aggressive all through the game, if you're going to be going for it, I'm for, and I love that. I want you to be Mr. Aggressive. He plays the numbers. He does the things that the numbers are telling him to do. And most of the time it's working out. I love the aggression. I love the willingness to do things to win the game. You can't get to that point in the game and then just go soft on them. Right. You can't get to that point in the game and just like completely change what your philosophy is. Right. I'm not saying just loft 80 yard passes down the field, but like running very predict that draw play on third down was terrible. Right. Terrible. Right. And, and, and I, I don't understand the concept of playing one way all game long. They played that 42 41 series, uh, that series, like they were up 52 to 41. Right. And, and it was, it doesn't make sense. He lost faith in his offensive line. I mean, people talk about being losing faith as Baker lose faith in his offensive line. He's literally quoted as saying he lost, he went for that draw play on third and 10 because of his tackle situation. Like, <laughs> like, that's like, not good. He, 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 you Don't do that. Yeah. You can't lose faith in that. I mean, you, yeah, it, and, and as a coach, as a coach, you have to believe that your third string offensive line is on the team for a reason. Right. He doesn't suck. You have to believe that Blake Hans is out there for a reason. And he played okay. Right. So, uh, yeah, the, the I, I'm a little concerned with it happened in the Chiefs game and now it happened in this game. I'm a little concerned with late game play calling. All of a sudden, you go from, again, there is – an element of making sense when you're up by two scores late in a football game, there's an element that makes sense of like, okay, let's just play no mistake football here. Let's not give the other team a chance. You were up one. You have to be aggressive. Right. And you were up one because your defense wasn't stopping the little sisters of the poor. Right. (laughs) Right. I don't know what happened, Chad, in this game defensively. I think, for most of the game, the front seven played pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Eckler's life was a little difficult there for most of the game, but then he broke through later. But still, I think the front seven played pretty well. I think, I think, uh, you know, linebackers played pretty well. What happened in the defensive backfield? Uh, uh, every single person got injured. I mean, they were pulling people from the stands to play DB. <laughs> for, 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 for God's sake, I, it was, I don't know. There, there was... You know, there, there's, there's blown, there's blown coverages uh, that happen in the NFL, but like that big a blown coverage <laughs> in the NFL. Like, I mean, there's at least a when when there's a blown coverage in the NFL, there's at least a guy within I don't know maybe 10, 15 yards right. <laughs> of, of of a guy. But when it was that bad, and not only not only that bad, but to ha- for it to happen twice <laughs> in right. a in a game like that, right? Like, uh, uh, something was going on in that backfield, uh, in that defensive backfield, and I, 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 I don't know. I have no idea. But um, yeah, 
<laughs> well, the Browns, the Browns got back to uh, there's the the couple things that concern me. The the blown coverages. That's I mean, that's should be as simple as watching the film and going, what the fuck was this? Yeah. We have to change it. Right. right? But the, the other thing that, that they got back to that's a little concerning, and it's definitely concerning this week, how many times are you going to let Justin Herbert run 14 yards down the field for a first down? How yep. many times are we going to let that happen? Yep. How many times are we going to over-pursue on our blitzes or over-pursue on our pass rush? We're going to get so deep in the backfield that Justin Herbert is going to feel every ounce of pressure from his sides and from behind him, but then he's going to look in front of him and be like, oh, cool, there's nobody here. Yeah. There's nobody. And you let Kyler Murray do that, and he's going to run for way more than 14 yards. (laughs) He's going to run for way more than 14 yards if you let Kyler Murray do that. Yeah, the Browns have had – they did really well in the Bears game, but I don't know whether to also not credit that a little bit to Justin Fields just – tucking his tail and running for his life in that <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and then, and then uh, in, in the last game, uh, they did really well. Nobody got out on the run. Who did we play last? What am I? Who the Vikings? Before the Chargers? Yeah. The Vikings. Well, Kirk Cousins didn't get a run anywhere. <laughs> uh, but Justin Herbert's mobile. They, uh, Ty- uh, Tyrod Taylor was doing that to them against when we played Houston. Patrick Mahomes did it to him against Kansas City. Now Herbert did it. You better believe that that's that Arizona is watching this and going, uh, okay, uh, yeah. Kyler, when when those defensive ends blow past you ten yards down the field trying to beat the tackles, step up and go. Yeah, I I, I don't know why the Browns are having such a hard time on quarterback contain. Right, right. And uh, Mike, I'm telling you right now, if that isn't fixed, and if a lot of our if, if a lot of our starters aren't healthy and can't go Sunday, uh, I, I, <laughs> this has a potential to be a blowout in my eyes. In, in my eyes. It has a potential to be that because that Arizona defense is, is a little bit better than that San Diego defense right now. I mean, yeah, you saw, yeah. you, so a little it, bit. It's, it's, uh, yeah, this has a potential to, 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 to be a two, three touchdown win in my eyes. In my eyes. Uh, with with the Cardinals, if 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 the health of our defense is that bad, where we're where we're where we're playing a lot of the backups, so I, I'm really nervous about Sunday. If I'm being honest, I hope I'm wrong. Oh, I think every, but I'm really nervous. I think I think everybody should be nervous about the game, but I also think again, benefit of the doubt for Kevin Stefanski for me, sure. benefit of the doubt. The guy bounces back when the Browns have lost under Kevin Stefanski. They've come back and won. Sure. Uh, you haven't you haven't seen losing streaks under Kevin Stefanski. Not oh. to say that you won't. And, and and if you did lose, now if you lose in blowout fashion, there's going to be some problems. But uh, and nothing. We're not talking about firing people. Just things no, 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 no. address. Yeah, no. But uh, we're not talking about switching quarterbacks. You nutsacks. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but what we are talking about is listen. If you play a close game and you lose to Arizona again, Arizona is another one of these really good teams. You gotta have to beat some of these really good teams. Arizona's so the you're only gonna have to do that. Arizona's the only undefeated team left in the in, in the NFL right now. Right, but you're <laughs> gonna have to beat good teams if you want to go where you want to go. You're gonna have to beat elite teams to get to where you want to go. So right. that has to happen. But again, even if the Browns are three and three after Sunday, I'm not panicked on the season. No, but kind of what Jeff said at the end of our interview. Now you get into a point where where you got to start winning games. Right now, now, now you can't drop a couple games here or there. Now you got to start winning games. Right, but 
I like, I, I still like the Browns chances uh, against Arizona. I, I still think, you know, I think uh, going on the road to San Diego, I think uh, the Browns should have won that game. They outplayed them for most of that game. But I think uh, I still like their chances against Arizona. I think we may get a huge assist thanks to, uh, unfortunately, thanks to COVID, uh, because it looks like there's a real good chance that Chandler Jones, uh, who is Arizona's best defensive player, is out of this game. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge difference. That would be huge. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, but who cares if he's out or not, if you're going to be a Super Bowl contender, you got to beat these teams. You got to beat Arizona. So I don't know. Like I said, I've had a couple of days to marinate, marinate on it. I hate that we lost it because we should have won it. Right. But I, but I, but once again, I feel like we beat ourselves. I feel like, I feel like, San Diego made some good plays, but I feel like bl- two blown coverages, blown coverages. Uh, I feel like the pass interference. I feel like the play calling down the stretch was all us just beating ourselves. I mean, yeah. I really I, like, I feel like the Browns played well enough. Just take one of those blown coverages away. And you're talking about probably a two score game right? Uh, sure. uh, for the Browns. So they just got to figure out how to not beat themselves. Right. And hopefully that just continues to come over time and we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not real dejected. I don't know about you, Chad, but I'm still feeling pretty darn good about the Browns. I mean, as far as the overall season, yeah, I'm feeling good about the Browns. But as far as Sunday, I, I man, I, I, again, the health of our defense, you know, this, this, this has the makings of another shootout. And I don't. I mean, this has the makings of whoever's going to have the ball last, especially if Chandler Jones is up. This has the makings of whoever's going to have the ball last is is going to have the best chance to win the game. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can't. I'm I, I'm not going to say at all with 100 percent confidence that the Browns are going to win this game. But I, I, I don't. I I, I can't say with any amount of certainty that the Browns are going to win this game. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going into it kind of on an even keel with my expectations low. And it's just for this game. That's that's when we win. That's when we win is when Chad tempers his expectations. Yeah. Like, uh, I, yeah, like I said, you know, you're not disappointed if you lose that way and you're more excited when you win. <laughs> damn right. Well, hopefully we will be back. We're going to try to get Joey on one or two of these post-game Browns uh, things too. But hopefully we'll be back with you week six, Browns. Uh, and uh, Cardinals, uh, again, that is a 405 game, which I hate, but that's here in Cleveland, which I love. Uh, but uh, the Browns are currently a favorite uh, in that game, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, the Browns are a fake favorite. The Browns are uh, two and a half point favorite, which means they're actually a half point underdog because you get three at home, basically. <laughs> but uh, uh, it should be an awesome game. I think the dog pound's going to be rocking 405. It's the game of the week again, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I think the Browns are will get back on that. I think they'll figure it out, and I think they're also mad uh, because of what the Cardinals did. Was that last year? Oh, uh, yeah. Ago, it was like, it was. Yeah. yeah, 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 2019. Yeah, so I think they're mad about that too. So I, I, I expect big things out of the Browns this week. So uh, anyways, okay, I think we've had enough. Uh, I think we are going to wrap it up with our three cheers of the week. Chad was excited about his cheer of the week this week. So, Chad, why don't you – Start us off well, with your cheer of the week. Well, uh, Mike, we have we are the Garage Beers podcast, and uh, yes, my cheers uh, has to do with beer. I hope you're ready. Mm-hmm. I hope you're ready for this. Hey, hey, you know, last week I talked about a Guinness World Record. You know, with uh, with uh, 
gentleman from the Philippines setting a Guinness World Record for jump roping uh, for over 40,000 double under skips. Yep. This week, a British man by the name of Matt Ellis out of St. Neil's, Cambridgeshire. Yes, of English. Yes. Set a world record of visiting mm-hmm. visiting 51 pubs in 12 hours. <laughs> 51 yes. pubs in 12 hours. Uh, yes. And, you know, so first off, uh, God, that's a dream. That's my dream. That's yeah, my dream. So uh, first off, uh, again, there was no criteria by Guinness as far as, you know, uh, as far as the 12 hour record goes. So they, they kind of, they kind of just uh, set the goal to originate at 50. Okay. So Ellis said he was required to have witnesses at each of these bars and he was required to consume at least four and a half ounces of any beverage, of any beverage at each of these, uh, each of these pubs. Go so, on. So according to Ellis, he visited 51 pubs in eight hours, 52 minutes and 37 seconds. The evidence is, yes. the, the evidence is, uh, from Ellis has been turned over to Guinness. So we're still awaiting on an official record, but Matt Ellis has visited 51 pubs in just under nine hours. So that's a record pub crawl. Absolutely. In the world. <laughs> cheer. Absolute cheer of the week. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, all right. My cheer is going to be personal for me, and you guys are all going to roll your eyes at it, but I don't give a shit. Oh, God. Uh, my cheer. Is that to my wife? This week. No. <laughs> Stop it. First of all, my wife is cool. Leave me alone. Uh, uh, my cheer this week goes out to a team that did kind of the opposite of what the Browns did this week. My cheers goes out to a team that had a chance at the end of a game and they capitalized on it. My cheer goes out to the Texas A&M Aggies. Oh yeah. My alma mater, (laughs) my alma mater, the Aggie football team. Let's go. Hosted Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide and said, F you Saban right up your ass. Here's a game-winning field goal at the end, and the yeah. Texas A&M Aggies take down the number one Alabama Crimson Tide, who fall to, I believe the um, committee had them fall to 1A. Uh, 1A. Because uh, <laughs> it's Alabama. Uh, the, coaches, uh, the coaches dropped them to five. The coaches Paul, had them dropped uh, down to five. Dude, I love it. Dude, it was so fun just watching, you know, Seth Small, just the gonads to come in there and kick a game-winning field goal. And and Alabama takes the lead in the fourth quarter. Your backup quarterback for AM is Zach Kelzada, who has not played well at all since coming in. He was dynamite in that game. He drives AM down the field for a tying score. AM gets a stop. They get the ball back, and then he drives them back down the field to get the game-winning field goal. It was exactly it was a perfect game for AM. It was awesome. Dude, a couple of thoughts on that real quick before we get you know before we get out of here. Honestly, oh, you know, I can talk about I, it. I made no you know, I made no bones about it. I am a much bigger uh, football, uh, college football fan than I am in the NFL. Again, I love I love my Browns. I'm glued to the glued to the TV with the Browns, but I love college football. 
And, you know, I, I never knew this about Saban, but apparently the, ma- I mean, granted, this was probably a lot of coaches, but apparently the magic number with Saban is 30. You know, they showed a stat in that game, you know, and with the loss to AM, Saban is now 12 and 13 uh, when teams score 30 or more points against Saban. Yeah. And that is, right. uh, uh, and the thing is that, you know, the thing is with AM too, I think AM kind of gave you the blueprint to beat Alabama is, they 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 brought pressure the entire game, almost the entire oh, yes. game. They brought pressure almost the entire game, and it's like you always when you look at Alabama, you think of Alabama as this like invincible, like irresistible force. And Alabama and A and M with the pressure that they brought never made Bama feel like that they were invincible. And when you do that, yeah. you have success against Bama, and and that's exactly what A and M did, and that was awesome. I mean, and listen. Bama dominated that entire second half. But when AM needed a drive, they got one from Calzada. And I loved to see it. Like when Bama was dominating that second half, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, <laughs> Bama, well, Bama's going right? to win this game. So everybody's texting me, right? My phone's just blowing up because AM goes into halftime up. Yeah. What were they up like 14 or something? 24 like to 10. 24 to 10. Yeah. And everybody's blowing up my phone. And what did I say to everybody? Yeah. I said, we got to score. We have to score 40. We have yeah. to score more than 40, but, but you make no bones about it. I know Alabama only scored 10 at halftime, but we got to score more than 40 if we want to get this win. And it turns out right. that's exactly what AM needed to do. And they did. And like, you, you know, we just got done talking about the Browns, right? And how hard it's been for them at the end of games. AM couldn't have had a better blueprint. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, you are starting to hear rumblings. The dumbest, the dumbest. <laughs> You were starting to hear rumblings from some people at AM. Oh, maybe it's time to fire Jimbo because they got smoked by Arkansas and they lost to Mississippi State, even though you're missing your starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing, the only thing that pisses me off, though, is that we're missing our starting quarterback because with our starting quarterback, we're probably undefeated coming into this game. Yeah. And and now you've just beaten Alabama, put you in the driver's seat for for the SEC West. And so it's like the one year we beat Alabama is the year we are going to take some losses because we've got inexperience at quarterback and uh, and not as talented quite of a guy. But man, if Zach Gales out of plays like that for the rest of the year, AM can work their way back into a, a good bowl game towards the end of the year. Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyways, my cheer of the week goes to the Aggies and a little bit of college football. And, and you know what? Even just a quick side note, just a quick cheer of the week, third cheer of the week. I'm going to give them a cheer. I know they are a Big Ten rival, but how about Iowa? Yeah. Cheers cheers to them. Yeah. Number two in the country. Number two in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Kirk Ferens as, uh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Joey, hey, listen. Joey, edit listen. that <laughs> Edit that out. Edit that out. Like in here's my, what I will in my mind. I was, in my mind, I was going to be like Iowa, the whitest team in the union. <laughs> You're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what I would say is everything in the Big Ten is totally polar opposite of what it has been. Everything in the Big Ten is set up for Ohio State to very, very easily overcome that early season loss oh, 100%. to Oregon. 100%. If Ohio State gets through Penn State and Iowa and uh, Michigan and the rest of that schedule, well, they wouldn't look way harder now than they than it did. They wouldn't play uh, Iowa until the Big Ten championship game. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, 
the whole Big Ten is set up for Ohio State. Yeah. They just got to win the games. Dude, yeah. And the these last two games, Ohio State uh, finally decided to show Looks up for the right. They finally decided to show up for the 2021 season. Now, granted, you're playing Rutgers in Maryland, so uh, it'll be, you know, but you know, interesting uh, to see. But you know what? They what? did what they were supposed to do. They did what they were supposed to do against Rutgers in Maryland. They are who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, 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 that was, uh, and, that, and that Rutgers was, Rutgers was coming off a week of uh, almost like giving Michigan all they could handle. Is a... Uh, are the Buckeyes off this week? They're off this week. They, they are off this week. Yeah. They got Indiana yeah. next week. ABC Indiana next week. 730. That's a little bit of a tougher game. So mm-hmm. Indiana, then you got the Penn State game in at Ohio State. Yep. Thank God. Uh, so the Penn State game at Ohio State, that should be huge. Uh, and then you've got Nebraska, which bleh, uh, Purdue, bleh. Michigan State is a top. Michigan State's ranked number 10. Did anybody know that? Weird. Did anybody know that in I, the country? Did anybody know Michigan I, State? I, I mean, I mean, I did. I don't know if a lot of people knew that. <laughs> Nobody knew. You didn't even know that. No, Nobody I did. Knew that. I did. I did. Like I said, gigantic football, college football fan. Hello. I mean, you're looking at top 10 teams, though, in Penn State, in Ohio, or in, in Michigan, in Michigan State. I mean, this whole thing is set up for Ohio State. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, that's going to do it for us. Uh, This has been an awesome episode 86. Thank you for bearing with us as we talked a little football at the end of it. But really, this episode was all about the fact that it is hockey season, baby. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are getting back into it. We want to send our thank yous out. Uh, Obviously, first of all, to our guest, Sean Corrali from the Blue Jackets, new forward from the Blue Jackets. We're really excited to see him play. And Jeff Svoboda, go follow him on Twitter at Jackets Insider. Uh, He's the reporter for the Blue Jackets for BlueJackets.com. Thank both of those guys for joining us. It was awesome talking some hockey with them. Uh, And as always, our biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener. Uh, We appreciate you for supporting us. Uh, Again, if you love us, please go subscribe to our stuff. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Follow us on Instagram. If you want to help us, probably the biggest way you can help us is just to follow us on Instagram. Uh, That's where we get a good chunk of our guests. Uh, so give us a follow on Instagram and uh, on Twitter. And if you really want to support us, get over to garagebeershop.com and pick up a T-shirt or a hat as well. Again, that's going to do it for us on episode 86 for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Chad, for myself, for Joey, I'm going to give him a shout out for Joey uh, over in Nashville, even though he wasn't with us at Garage Beers. Joe, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike saying thank you for joining us. Enjoy the beginning of hockey season, and we'll see you next week for episode 87. Cheers, everybody. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.